Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 32 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. It is such a pleasure to have you. Hope you're having a great Sunday, as always. I've got Mr. David Hewlett waiting in the wings here. Uh, really excited about this episode. David has been a, a longtime uh, a friend of the show. We had him on in our first month for the, uh, the Stargate SG-1 role-playing game when Wyvern was uh, doing their Kickstarter and everyone had a great time, but uh, David promised to come back and here he is. So before I bring him on, I know, it's an eternity of anticipation. Uh, before I bring him on, I just want to invite you, if you like Stargate and want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me if you click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live. And keep in mind, clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. You know him. You love him. Let's bring him in. Mr. David Hewlett. Or hate him. We are not worthy, sir. (laughs) How are you, my friend? It's so good to see you. Very, very good. I'm, as always, jealous of how somehow you've managed to create the perfect backdrop of things that isn't a total chaos like mine. I mean, it's a controlled chaos. If I turn the camera a little bit, you're going to see all this stuff laying around. That's right. Will you see your underwear and all your old clothes and stuff? Yeah, very good. Very good. I already showed you my pants. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We started off with with that. That was good. (laughs) Pants and dogs and everything else. (laughs) Yeah, I was then attacked by a dog. It's true. We missed all the good stuff. How are you, man? Very, very good. Yeah, it's. I'm afraid it's a little sad that this whole, uh, you know, lockdown bunker thing suits me and my son a little too well. I think we, uh, you know, we we. I obviously feel for people who are going through all of this, yeah. but we've strangely had a kind of a lovely kind of sort of bonding time because we just get to hang out and do what we love doing together. So. You know, it's this year has has really um, pushed everyone in to the limits of whatever they were at before. So one of my, and, and this, the virus has only uh, accelerated certain processes that were in heading in certain directions before, like like with, um, with streaming and everything else, for instance, I have a a best friend who is a manager at the the corporate theater of one of of the uh, largest private family owned uh, theater chains in the country. And he doesn't expect Uh, to have a job next year. Movie Movie theaters. theaters Yeah. Cause everything's yeah. yeah, Yeah. Like the big announcement with uh, Warner brothers, all 17 of their titles are going to be, you know, released on HBO max. What do you think of that? I look, I, I think it's inevitable. I mean, I, I've sort of been, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's so weird because I make my, I, I, my main job is working in film and television. And at the same time, 
I hate the film and television industry because I feel like it's so archaic in the way it deals with people, the way we've got these windows of release. And, and I really came to the forefront for me doing Dog's Breakfast where I saw how it worked and it was so frustrating to me. I was like, just release it to everyone so they could see it. I don't care. Yeah. But of course, the only way they can make money is by creating this scarcity. You know what I mean? So they're terrified. I think what's going to happen is that we're going to see, I'm hoping, a lot more films, a lot more very good television. Um, that doesn't cost as much because it can't. They can't. They can't spend, you know, five hundred million dollars on a movie and then mm-hmm. expect to make it back if they're just going to streaming, right? Mm-hmm. So hopefully they have to be smarter. They have to be nimbler, um, and hopefully we can make more movies like you know that that uh, that we sort of can enjoy uh, either at home or in a with some kind of value added when we go to the theater because the theater experience is like Uber. It's been a terrible. Yeah. Experience. So David, I, I think that the, the age of, of the billion-dollar blockbuster may be, may be running its course. It may, I mean, look, I can see video I, games doing that, so. but, but movies, I don't know. Well, that's, that's it. I mean, because I, I, I mean, video games is a perfect example. I mean, the other thing is that these, that these expensive movies are becoming, uh, you know, pale comparisons to the beautiful, uh, beautifully rendered games that you can play. Like, why would you go and watch a movie that forces you down one narrative when you can play it? Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm kind of excited about it. I, I don't think it's going to, look, the film industry is not going away. I mean, people no. thought that th- theater was dead when television came out, but the yeah. reality is people still go to theater. In fact, theater is doing what was up until the pandemic doing better than ever with these big shows and stuff. So yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I, I've always looked at it like, you know, at a certain point, do you want to go to the theater? will be ubiquitous with, do you want to go bowling? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's just going to be. It's gonna have its. It's gonna find its place after a while, you know. I, yeah. If I want to go and rewatch the original Matrix, you know, if there's a right. run of it, so but you want to see I, it in a theater, right? Like the next, or let's like, go watch a television show together on a big theater with a bunch that's, of people. That's true too. You like, know, can you like, imagine if Stargate was doing that. How great would that be? Go and watch Stargate at a theater, have popcorn, talk about it, throw things at me when I show up on screen, like make a whole, <laughs> like make a whole uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show out of the thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's, I think that's the way theater is going to go. It's going to become a fan experience. And that's the kind of thing. That's why when I went to movies, that's what it felt like when I was a kid. And now it's become this, like, it's like, well, I thought it was in that theater. Oh, it's in this little one. Why am I, this is a, this is a crappy theater. Why am I, it's a bad (laughs) experience. Like I say with Uber, you know, getting in a cab was horrible. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden Uber came along. There's people who like hand you a thing of water when you get in the car and they ask about your day. Yeah, or they, they actually give a crap. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's forcing change in a way. Uh, there's obviously some, obviously huge downside to this stuff. And I, I, I really do. I, I, I keep reminding Baz about the fact that, look, while the world is changing because of COVID, we have to realize that while we may not have been directly touched, um, you touch wood, you know, uh, right. yet, there are many, many, many thousands, millions of people who have been. So it's hard to immensely to keep reminding him of the fact that because he would say like, oh, I hope we get shut down for COVID this this Christmas holiday. And I'm like, OK, I totally get what you're saying. But let's just think about what that means for the people who are, you know, who are actually struggling with this stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's, who it's, are having trouble one. paying their mortgages and everything. It's yeah, it's yeah. um, it's a brave new world in so in so many respects. And the the the. I mean, you're you're a you're a computer geek like me. You know, you you keep an eye on the tech trends. The the velocity at which our our technology is mm. growing is, in, in, on one hand, super amazing, and on the other hand, super scary. I mean, yeah. Elon Musk's Neuralink, 
you know, will will do potentially tremendous things for people with all kinds of of physical uh, disorders. But, you know, can you imagine connecting? I mean, I'm sure Rodney would love it, but can you imagine connecting something to your brain? So, yeah, see, I find that stuff absolutely fascinating because in a way, and we walk around with cell phones all the time, we're walking around with personal computers that um, that spy on us, that 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 allow us to spy on other people that stop us from using short term memory. I mean, there are definitely negatives to it and it, a, a whole addictive thing. But the other side of it is, yeah, that too. you know, at our fingertips, this is what I dreamed of when I was reading like, you know, Neil Stevenson or or or, or William Gibson back in the day with the cyberpunk stuff. The Neuromancer. Yeah. Neuromancer. Yeah. yeah. Which was just like that was just that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. The only thing he missed was cell phones. It's the only thing he missed. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Which is the and it's the biggest thing. But of it course, why so. would you see that? But the idea, the idea of being able to go while I'm waiting at a bus stop to peruse the entire knowledge of the human race, mm-hmm. I, you gotta stop every so often and just go like, we're like, this is the this is the this is the future that that you know shows like Stargate promised mm-hmm. us, you know, and I and we're we're sort of living it. The fact yeah. that we've now have you know messenger RNA delivering the code for a virus cure to our bodies instead of just injecting dead virus, I mean. That's Beckett territory. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 Stargate stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened faster so I, than I thought it would on on all sorts of strata of this. And, and but on yeah. the other hand, I'm like, I've been watching this since I was four years old. Why did I not see it coming? Fa- of course, this is the case. You know, this is just the result of of all this um, movement into into this this uh, continued uh, uh, digital space. Well, and I think oh. the thing that the thing about like nerds like us, and I'm sorry, I use that as a compliment that I, you know, um, is that I think that we always saw the positive in the in the technology. We always saw the hope for the future with it. What I think we failed to take into account was how it could could be used the other way. Right. And I think that's what we're beginning to see now. It's the like, Jurassic I Park mean, argument. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a reason not to do it. I, and no, I think that no, I still believe the technology. Still be thinking will save about us. it though. Yeah, and I still I still see technology as our as our savior. I still believe that technology will will help us with the stuff that we've created with technology. Mm-hmm. But I do believe we have to start thinking about about you know the you know there's been an awful lot of straight white um, uh, scientists creating technologies that they haven't that they haven't thought through entirely. And I think that there's a, that one of the great things about bringing in sort of a, a diversity of both you know culture and and whatever of lifestyle, whatever the whatever the terms are. Um, you know, that 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 is going to and is only going to help us is mm-hmm. to help us just look at things a different way. It's not just about making a billion dollar company. It's about, you know, wh- what's the billion dollar equivalent to like saving the planet? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As opposed to just making the billion dollars. It's I, I, look, I think we live in interesting times, which is a, which is definitely an ins- was it a, a curse, an old Chinese curse. But, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. May you live in. But I think it's times. also a promise. But I think it's a mm-hmm. promise, too. I think that we do live in interesting times. And I think it's up to us to sort of grab to grab it and 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 um and start controlling it as opposed to just getting towed behind this out of control vehicle that's true you know and i i mean i i don't anticipate that you know one day we're going to wake up and be the board collective or you know the replicators if if we want to be a little bit more specific about it but you know at the same time i think that there is a fear of especially with our younger people of losing a little piece of our humanity and losing our our social connection with one another Mm -hmm. and i always meant to ask you this uh when when Baz was a little bit older. Did you did you relegate his his screen consumption time when he was really little? I mean, what was your take on that as a parent? Again, 
I think as, I mean, I think I made, looking back, I would change a lot of the stuff I've done, but I, you know, I entirely embraced the iPad and stuff. I saw it as a learning tool for him. We found, we looked for the coolest games we could find that would relate to, you know, that had learning uh, potential. Unfortunately, the coolest games were never the educational ones uh, or very yeah. rarely. There's one called, I think, Dragon Box, which is very cool, which taught uh, basically algorithms, basically, it basically taught algebra um, using uh, images, so wow. you had to you had to combine images to create a solution. And what you didn't realize is that you were even me while I was playing. It was like this is kind of cool. I feel like maybe I'm learning something. And I looked it up, and it's like, oh no, I'm actually learning. I'm learning to group, you know, group like things, add them together, and and simplify equations in a different form. Yeah, wow. But they were all little. They were little dragon symbols and stuff. They were really. They were. It was really cool. Like that. The potential for that kind of stuff was amazing. But now we struggle with it because one of the big conversations I have, which I, I suddenly realize, yeah, I look back to my dad. My dad was very strict about television. We were never allowed to watch television. We had to come to him. Like it was like, it was like coming to the master and saying, please, sir, this is a show that's on at 730. It's called Doctor Who. And there's two episodes. I would very much like to watch those tonight. And he'd say, all right, have you done your homework? And then you would, you'd be able to watch the show, but you'd never be able to watch more than like an hour a week. And I resented that so much. And I always said, my son, I'm not putting any limits on my son when it, when it comes to, to, to that stuff. Except that now I realize my son watches YouTube and it just feeds him stuff. And so I've, we've had to talk about it. And I said, like, look, stop just taking, the, taking whatever's recommended to you. And That's start- correct, because it's programming you. Exactly. And you're programming you it. It's a cycle. Is. And it's the same thing with television. My father, I think, saw that early on, that television... It's once you turned it on and just started flicking, of course there's something that's going to catch your attention. It's all designed to catch your attention. So, so that's basically what we struggle with now. And I'm sure I'll lose miserably and my son will be in therapy <laughs> telling everybody what a terrible father I am. But, I don't know. Um, He's a pretty good kid from what everyone sees on Twitch. So It is lovely. I got to say, I, one of the things I'm most proud of when I see his report card is that, you know, is that, that you know, people like him, teachers like him. I, I, I honestly, you know, the marks aren't bad, too. I got to say, I, no. you know, I was a disaster in school. He's doing well. He, he does have a great mom. So, mm. you know, I don't know about you. It's true. But, Thank God he's so. got that genetics. That's true. What would we do? What <laughs> would we do, David, without, without James? I, I don't know, man. You, yeah. you, uh, you really lucked out. I've always I, I know. That, so. I know. I, like, won the lottery on that one. Trickery I'm... and deceit, as I told Jason. Before. He said, How did you get a girl like that? I was like, trickery and deceit, Jason. <laughs> and to help you make movies. So Yeah, exactly. I, I'm curious, man, because uh, when, when you and I started talking, you were already into season two of Atlantis. So I, I, I'm was curious. Was it that late? Yeah, so because Darren uh, was, was oh, on set for season was, one. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. And so you're you're mentioning your your uh, media intake was was fairly regulated when we were young. I'm curious, did that have any impact on on where you want what you wanted to be as an adult? It's interesting. I I mean, Doctor Who for me was, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. I, I know no, I've fine. talked about this before, but but you know, Doctor Who was the inspiration for me, both from a from a, a geek and a scientist and a sort of a like I like to think of myself as like a citizen scientist, um, and a sci-fi nerd. Oh, my headphones are doing weird things. I should probably change my headphones up. Hang on a sec. Sure. I think they may be dying. Nope. All good. They're bored already. <laughs> I know. My headphones have got bored and given up. Um, but it, so Doctor Who for me was was the impetus to get into science fiction. It was my impetus to get into the sciences. I never saw a difference between the two. Like science fiction on television and science itself were the same thing to me because they were they were sort of linked. Uh, hang on a sec. Let me just do this. Sure. Let me do this. Do this. I'm going to change up over here. 
my little nerdy setup. If I go to this, how do I zoom? Oh, damn, zoom. It's zoom is a little different, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Preferences. Here I go. Audio is now going to go for the built-in. Stand by, everyone. McKay is McKaying. Unmute your speaker. What? Oh, dear. If I screwed it up. Oh, dear. So always turn to your grandparent this, you know? Can you hear me, Dave? Now, talk for a second, David. My bonnie lies over the ocean. Huh. Have I muted you? I no, you're back. There you go. You're back. I am there here. It's just taking a while. I'm so sorry. No, you're no, um, dude, you're fine. I just realized my headphones were going to start beeping at me about the fact that their batteries were low the entire time, and I'd be like, <laughs> my mouth goes out like every other show, so it's it's all good. So everyone, every once in a while, I go, oh my god, I need my cord. So I'm a little um, uh, I'm a little easily distracted as it is, anyways. When it starts beeping, I you sort of get that sort of lost look every so often. Right, so. Exactly. Um, Where is Doctor Who? Look, well, it's a Doctor Who thing. So I exactly. started watching Doctor Who when I was a kid. My my parents used to watch it. My mom, my mother was specifically was she loved television. I mean, she loved all these these shows and loved all these, you know, mad, you know, mad sort of professor type things. And she used to watch horror movies and, okay. and all that kind of stuff. So uh, my father, a little less so because he was as a doctor, he just honestly just didn't have time. He was just busy all the time. Um, so so they used to watch Doctor Who and I used to hide behind the sofa and watch it like, you know, when I was like four, six years old. So I can't remember. And um but I was like, I want to be that guy. Like, that's the guy he's got, like, he's got, a, he doesn't have to use a gun. He doesn't have to bully anybody. Like I saw, I, I thought I could be that. I could be that guy. Cause I, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be incredibly strong. I'm not going to be like, you know, in, 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 incredibly, uh, um, you know, proficient at any weaponry or anything. I just, I, I, but I think, I feel like I could know things. Mm-hmm. And so I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then it was probably, a few grades on in school that I realized that you can't actually be a time Lord when you grow up, that you, <laughs> that you, but even better, you could pretend to be a time Lord. And that's really sort of where my, that's where the bug for acting came from. I mean, I really, that was it. There was no other, everyone has these stories about theater and all this, like falling in love with the craft and no, no, I just wanted to be Dr. Who that was it. You know um, I spent way too long trying to build my own sonic screwdrivers and, and that kind of stuff. And even like, even today, like, I mean, so I'm playing with things now. I'm still doing, like, I don't know if you can see yeah. this little guy here. So I just like that. So this is a little robot head, but you can. Oh, that, oh my God, it's got, got eyes. Little, he's got little, you've got separate monitors for each of the eyes. Can I bring him a little closer? Please, yes. I may break him. What's but, his like, name? This is the kind of thing I was doing as a kid. And now because of acting. Oh, oh, his eye fell out. Oh, God, his eyeballs are showing. There you go. Um, but it's. Uh, you know, like I'm goofing around with this stuff all the time, wow. and it's purely because of Doctor Who. Like that's, you know, is um, it watching you? I mean, is, does it have no, cameras kinda, for each eye? I'm working on that. You can actually add a light sensor so that it'll dilate depending on how much light comes in, and you can also wow. have it. You can have it follow you based on uh, camera recognition, uh, face recognition, and stuff too. Because you know, like we need more. You know, we need more privacy issues in my house, obviously. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but isn't How, it cool? That's I mean, like, yeah. I, 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 again, you know, I, I, on one hand, it's like amazing. On the other hand, it's like, I mean, it's not going to like walk up and say, by your command, you know, I mean, we're, we're right. a few stages from yes. that, but yet, yes, you know, that's the other thing, you know, we're not, I bet 20, 30 years from an iRobot kind of, you know, assistant situation. And I, I have, you know, I have family who could really, really benefit from, from technology like that. So it's always been like, Oh, I Where think we all can. I mean, the reality is when we get older, 
-hmm. We're all going to need this stuff. We're all eventually going to be in the quote unquote, you know, uh, disability zone because because we're all going to be we're all going to be older. So if someone if I can have some you know if I can have some robot wandering around looking after me instead of my you know poor son, I, I think I'd probably be a, a good way to go. Um, what I dread though is I dread like little robots walking people's dogs for them and things. You know what I mean? Like I I just I feel like there's a it can make us incredibly wally as well. At well, the same time. I, I, I remember, I forget the comedian, but it was like 20 years ago. And it was, I think one of the Oscars or something like that, raving about him and his son playing a Nintendo 64, Nintendo 64 game of a father and son playing catch. And yeah. so that's, that's the thing. It's like, are you going to t- take uh, substitute one for another? Is it, is it yeah. a one-to-one transposition or are well, you going to use it to enhance your life and well, make that's it better? It. I mean, so, but like, so video games, you know, video games, I think there's a, and this is one of the things I'm trying to do with Tech Bandits is to try to um, sort of convince parents that this is the new catch. Like if you truly want, if you want to spend quality time with your kid, the best way to do it is to hop on a Minecraft server with them. I mean, yeah, you, you can, I mean, you bond in a way, you know, embrace they talk, their they talk about stuff they wouldn't talk about otherwise. Correct. I mean, I'm not saying instead of that. I mean, obviously, you have to do physical exercise, and, and that's why we send them to school because God knows I don't. Um, but, <laughs> Go walk but, the dog. Know, exactly. That's well. That's why we got to look. That's we have the COVID dog basically because Jane was like David. You that well. She said that Baz was never leaving the house. So I was like, Yeah, that's I guess it, all right. Yeah. That's right. But really, what she was saying was, David, you never leave the house. You need to, and it's great. I you know I listen to my podcast and walk around for an hour or so. It's great. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more. I was, uh, you preempted it. Uh, tell us about Tech Bandits for Tech my Bandits audience. Like, it was so informal to start with. It was just basically, I couldn't get over that, the, you know, first off, Baz wanted to be, he wanted to, wanted to be a professional video gamer. And I was like, all right, great. But we got to build your own PC then because yep. professional video gamers, they don't use standard PCs. And again, any like any possible science angle, my poor son, he rolls his eyes all the time because it's just any possible science in, I'm all over it. So I was like, we're going to build a computer. So sure enough, you know, he'd come down with a snack and go like, is it finished yet? And then he'd leave again. You know, like, that was basically how we- how Carry we on, carry on, father. Exactly, yeah. Tell me when it's done. And then he came down and like jiggled a fan and I was like, stop doing that. And then he actually got something working that I wasn't, it was doing so mad. Just so Apple frustrating. Apple doesn't fall like, too far from the tree. Yeah, it was like a total oh, Zelenka. Funny. Like it was that, you know- um, but, uh, so, but what I couldn't get over was that neither he nor any of his friends even knew you could do that. They only knew about gaming consoles. And then if the gaming console stopped working, they threw it out and they bought another one. And I was like, I was like, guys, it's like, there's so much stuff in here. Look at this. So we, so I started bringing stuff into his school, his local school and, uh, just letting them take it apart. And they loved that. And because that, that's what I used to do. I used to just break stuff. Unfortunately, I broke stuff that was actually, you know, shouldn't be broken. Whereas they, I walk around doing what I call geek trash and I'll just do like a circuit around the neighborhood. And invariably there's a couple of printers or something you can get. You just get the printers, you know, pull out the cobwebs or the remaining cat hair or whatever there is, and then bring it into, into the classroom and they can just pull it apart. And they just, they love it. But invariably what happens is you pull it apart, then you want to know what everything does. What's that? Correct. Why is this? It's so then you learn about questions. Which is a good and thing. And then you start building stuff. Right. So that's, and that's what happened. And the other thing that I sort of stumbled upon was because I was working on, I wanted to get a documentary done um, about, uh, called Upgrade Required, which is about a, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Q Dragon, who does a, a um, he's got a brilliant Instagram and social media stuff. He's, he's got SMA type two. So he's basically, not basically, he is bedridden. He can't, he can't move. Uh, but he does experimental cooking. So he has his caregivers and his family doing all these crazy, great, 
delicious culinary adventures and he just records it all and 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 posts it daily on instagram um so you have to check him out it's called cooking with q it's just it's amazing um anyways i want to do a documentary about him because he was talking about becoming a cyborg and as we talked it became apparent that he didn't so much want to become a cyborg as he he really needed a cyborg suite he didn't need a cyborg suit he needed a cyborg suite (laughs) <laughs> because then he could all this sort of all the ability to do editing and filming and stuff would would be done by robotics was the idea. So I wanted to do a, a documentary about that. And um, but in but while I was working on it, the kids would say, "What are you working on?" And I would mention this, and they would they were so engaged by the idea that I started bringing in little robotics things and little sort of assistive tech things, and discovered that assistive tech is this amazing sort of way to unlock their interest in some of this science, technology, engineering, arts, and math stuff, because, because they suddenly see a direct connection with what they're doing in the, in the, in the club and what is going to have an impact in the world. So just, unfortunately, just before COVID, I also teamed up with a, with a local school looks after kids with um, developmental and and, uh, physical disabilities. And we were going to work with them together, have my, have my privileged little brats come in and work with them and uh, do some work with them. But of course, COVID put the kibosh on that COVID and and teacher strikes. I've learned to hate, I've learned to hate the whole, you know, the whole infrastructure of the world. And just, I want like my own separate thing now, but so. (laughs) If if, if ever we could be in the Pegasus galaxy, now would be it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want, but but with a nice big clubhouse for everyone in the. Jacuzzis and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not just a, not just a, a place to golf. We just need a good lab. I want my I want my Stargate lab here. That's right. So basically, and basically that's what I've been doing. So I've been I've been gathering up all these different technologies and things, which I have some time to play with, but I also have long periods of time when I can't play with it. So I want to set them up so that like local kids can come in and 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 use them as needed. Um, and also that we, because of the streaming technology that's available now, I want to stream these discussions because I want parents and teachers and educators and other kids to to go, oh, that's cool. I want to talk about that. You know, maybe not with me, but you know, with each other or whatever. So wow. I started this thing called the Tech Bandits, and it's slowly become more and more official. I now do. I now host like two sessions a week on Twitch. Um, there's my pitch: Tech Banditry on Twitch. Go check it out. Um, and we basically just talk about, you know, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math stuff on on like Mondays or Tuesdays. Um, and then either Wednesdays or Thursdays, we, we, we discuss, uh, uh, game related technologies because that's really the only way to get any kid's attention now is to talk about video games. Um, and there's a lot of amazing sort of little connections there that you can make, um, you know, assistive technology being a great one with gaming or, um, programming, obviously programming is the obvious one, but it's a little more difficult for some of the kids to get into, but even just like, you know, just becoming like a, 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 a savvy cyber citizen and stuff. It's just, I, I just absolutely love it. And I think I love it because I learn more from them than they do from me. And I don't wow. profess to teach anybody anything because I know nothing. Um, but it's that sort of Socratic, you know, Plato type, like, I know nothing, so tell me. Right, and exactly. And you learn so much that way. And the, the more that you, that you engage uh, uh, this, this new generation and get them interested in this type of thing, the more they're going to want to uh, pursue those industries and make them uh, better. You know, mm. the, we've just had uh, this, this cybersecurity attack is, is a... Oh, is my a God, Russia. We just got pwned. deal. We just got totally pwned. And no one is really talking about... Well, I don't think anyone understands the, the weight of, of this at all. No, the um, solar winds breach is absolutely huge. Absolutely yeah. huge. And... and- Sorry. Yeah. Go, go, go. Please. No, we need, we need these, we need these kids to get some, uh, some of, uh, programming chops going so that we can, 
No, we need we need a whole team, a, a whole um, group it's, of people to to properly defend us against these kinds of things. And the only way to do it is to keep these kids interested in in you know this this anti surveillance programming. The things that I came across with that though is that I found there's this huge push for programming. We got to get girls into programming. We got to get minorities into programming. You know, um, and I think that's great. I think that's a good. You know, it's not. I don't think it hurts. But at the same time. Not all kids are interested in that. No. But what they are interested in is, um, uh, but but what we need to do is explore what they are interested in in a way of programming. So, you know, there's this sort of tendency to go like, well, Twitch, you know, scratch programming where you drag and drop. It's not really programming. I'm like, no, no that absolutely is programming. Why should we learn some archaic language that's not going to be useful to kids in 10 years time when they can drag and drop and get their results faster? We are going to get way better programmers out of kids who go, oh my God, I built a game then a bunch of kids going like, what number am I supposed to put in here? Like, it's not like, it's just, so I, I feel like the coding thing is important. The hacking thing, I say to the kids all the time, like if I were you right now, I would go into either bio, I'd either go to biotech or into, into computer uh, security right now because, or network security or whatever, because that that's, and eventually we're going to want biotech security as well. I mean, there's, there's so many, mm-hmm. it's, there's so it's many not things. so much a pipe dream anymore. So. There's a there's a there's an organization I work with here called uh, Let's Talk Science. Amazing woman, Bonnie Schmidt, started this thing, and the idea was originally to kind of just to get uh, women into into the sciences um, because it's been such a male dominated, mm-hmm. uh, well, very and again white male dominated for a long time, um, and uh, so she started this this Let's Talk Science program, which is just amazing, which is creating cur- fun curriculum for kids, not specifically for 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 girls, but um, uh, you know, but for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just so taken with what, with what they were doing. Um, and she sort of inspired me to actually go out and start doing my own outreach with this tech bandit stuff. Cause she's saying like, you may not, cause I said like, I don't, what do I know? I didn't even finish high school. And she goes, that's exactly what that's, that's the value is you don't know what you're supposed to teach or not supposed to teach. You just right. know what's interesting. And in right. that you operate at the, at the level of about a 10 year old kid anyways, chances are, so I find that the things that I am interested in are generally the things that the kids I'm dealing with are interested in too, because I'm basically those kids. So, you know, I think uh, that the frontier is wide open and yeah. as long as we continue to engage them on their level, you know, mm. and the, the, the expansion of, especially the gaming tech, I mean, we're now using unreal in like the Mandalorian yeah, shows like this, you know, with I the... think they, they use the Unreal. Yeah, the Unreal Engine is amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. What they're doing with that. And then they can yeah. and then Unity's gonna be into that, if not already. It's soon just as well. It's wide open and there's there's so many exciting trends out there. I've just been getting exposure into the I don't know if you noticed my my Atlantis here. Um I've been getting some exposure into the um uh the 3D printing space and making some friends in, in that industry. Um, they are a very friendly bunch too. I love them. It's it's brilliant. This uh this was uh, uh created um by a friend of mine and he's uh is running his own website 3dtech.pro. It's our it's our first sponsor. And it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. so cool, you know, the stuff that you can make now and it's artistry plus technology just combining in some incredible ways. Well, that's that's what that is behind there. That's the Prusa Mark three, five filaments. Uh, I build them all from kits because I want to torture myself. Um, but again, 3D printing, great thing for kids, uh, but slow takes a long time. So the kids get bored very quickly. So I've now got a CNC machine, two of them, in fact. Um, and I'd be very lucky because, because one of the things I ask for just, I like, I, people say like, how can you help? I'm like, help out tech bandits. I don't want, I don't need to, like, I don't want to, don't, 
pay me, but by all means, give some donations to Tech Bandits because all that money, I just pool it. And whenever we need something, like the kids were asking about editing, I set up like an Adobe uh, mm-hmm. account for the kids so they could just go in and start doing some editing and some visual effects and stuff, 3D printing. I got filament, I got, I got printers, I got, you know, so the idea is that, uh, and again, we've had to do it all virtually, you know, recently. But, but at this point, I mean, there's there, very little that you can't do like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, imagine, I would say to the kids, like, imagine if, so if I set up a couple of Raspberry Pis on that thing, they could log into my 3D printer and just start printing their own stuff exactly whenever they right. want. Like, how great is that? And also the Prusa guy, Joseph Prusa, is a Stargate fan. Amazing <laughs> guy. Did this incredible work with um, with COVID out in... Um, uh, 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 where is he in uh, Czech Republic? Yeah. You know, he created, he was like one of the first people to jump on, on the whole face mask thing, mm-hmm. building the, the, the shields. He converted his, uh, his chemistry department, which was fi- figuring out filaments and, and, and coatings for, for his printers and converted it all to uh, hand sanitizer and, and, uh, and uh, you know, cleaning stuff. He's like, he's a, he's like a true tech hero, that guy. Um yeah, lovely, lovely guy. Um, and, of course, because he kn- he's in the know, he's a Stargate guy, too. Likes the Stargate. And, well, um, you know what? Those are the right kinds of people to get involved. Yeah, so, the only people. I th- yeah. think so much of, uh, of where we're heading is going to be so dependent on our ability to pivot with our technology, to mm. be able to repurpose what something is designed to do and put it yeah. into use for something that is much more needed at the present point in time. We need more hackers. We need people who are going to take yeah. things that are designed Hacking for, one for good and, yeah. and change them. Yeah. I mean, hackers, hackers were, were only bad when the, when the press got them right. Yeah. Hacking was never, a, I mean, it was, it was, it was about exploration. It was a joy in exploration. It was a joy in, you, it wasn't about damaging systems. It was just about figuring out how to get into them. I mean, I loved that stuff. I was never any good at it, but I was never patient enough, but, um, but the, yeah, the tools that are out there. Um, yeah. Just amazing. And what you can learn online now. Cause that, look, that's the other thing is if you want to learn anything now, you've got no excuses. No yeah. excuses. There's, there's, you just have to have enough interest to go in and look it up. You know, that's exactly um, right. And and I think if you can convince kids of that, they're 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 unstoppable. That's you know? right. We have doctors at age fourteen because they've just been on the internet watching YouTube videos for, for you know, we're gonna have the, a million Doogie Housers out there. <laughs> I th- I think one of the most exciting things about what's coming is that even in the in the so many of the poorest countries now, mm-hmm. uh, the the cell phone. The smartphone is is so cheap that pretty much yeah. as long as you have access to elect- – and certainly not everyone does. But if you can have access to electricity and any well, basic and kind so of a network, too. exactly right, then yeah, you have access cell. to the world. And that is the first critical step. Yeah. So Yeah. And the best hackers are going to come out of there because they're, 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 they got nothing to lose. That's exactly right. Phone, they break into an account and a banking account. And all of a sudden they've made more money than they ever. I mean, like, but I, and I don't mean that in a, I don't mean, I'm not saying that there are bad people out there. I'm just saying that they're going to have a whole different perspective on this, on this world than, than, than we do. Um, we need and, that. You know, and unless we start taking this stuff from. seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, right. no, I know. I can't wait to see what, what, what happens with that too. I mean, they've literally, they've completely they've leapt over the whole idea of cabled, um, you know, cabled internet and gone straight to wireless. And then with well, then Elon Musk's, uh, you know, Skynet or whatever they're called. I, I always <laughs> get Skylink, the, I think, or something I always like get that? the word, I always get it wrong. Maybe on purpose. It may be Freudian, <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, the idea of like, of low latency internet access all over the world. I mean, holy cow, what's that gonna, that is gonna change 
that is going to change the lives for billions of people. Yeah. Hopefully for the better. <laughs> I was I was in southern Utah a couple of weeks ago just uh, hiking mm-hmm. and there was no data. And right. I Oh my god, are you okay? <laughs> I, I all I could think of was this is soon going to be a thing of the past. Mm. I won't be able to be anywhere where I'm yeah. unplugged. Yeah. And you need to be unplugged every now and then. And, if, and with if an you... hour of discovering it, you'll be complaining about how slow it is. <laughs> when you but... finally get it, you're going to be standing on a rock in Utah going like, oh, for God's sake, how long does it take to download? Oh, okay, it's done. <laughs> That's exactly it. Remember back in the day when we had yeah. like the 28K connection? Oh, the yeah. picture's downloading. All right, let's go to dinner. We'll come back. K. It'll be done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Watching, you know, watching files appear. Yeah. Drawing themselves on the screen. Generally of half-dressed women was for, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a 20 year old watching these, these images slowly draw themselves online and stuff. So, yeah. Dave, let's talk about, um, this little show called Stargate. Oh, that old Um, thing. Which, which started off. When are they bringing it back? So Brad. Keep hearing news. I know. I know. I just, I've been calling it SG4. It's like, yeah, we'd really. We really, really need this thing in our lives right now, frankly. I've been calling it Stargate McKay, but that's, you know, that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Hopefully, you know, Brad's going to pull uh, something off. But uh, I just I feel like it's so like it. It's so ready for that. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm assuming like, it'll be something obviously new. we need to do this. I keep pitching. So on my on my little Twitch channel chats, I, I keep pitching a Stargate Academy. I'm like, you do Stargate Academy, you have all the kids in there. So you have all your young, sexy, young folks that they want on, on their network television shows. And then you have us old people get wheeled in to sort of teach classes or to go on the odd adventure. And then I'll be like, I'll be like Snape. Like, you know, Amanda Tapping can be this beautiful Dumbledore type. And I'll be, and I'll be the Snape of the, of the, uh, of the, of this, of this, of the, of the uh, Stargate Academy. I mean, there's no short of, shortage of great ideas for Stargate. This is true. It's just, I just, is it just a matter of the rights? I feel like it must just be who gets what to do what. I, I, like, I feel like it must be business. I, I yeah. I, su- I suspect business has a lot to do with it. I mean, mm. but but I mean, the excuse right now, obviously, is that you know we we can't proceed forward with it until we we get out of this situation. So that's fine. But before that, well, we're filming here now. Yeah, you know that's the other thing too. So, so and I think Vancouver's filming as well. That's where we shot Stargate. Right? Exactly. Anyway, so, sorry, I completely jumped your questions. No, I you're good. Did I'll you? Be, I'll go back to being a good guest. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. This is fascinating. Did you see the feature film in the theater? Oh, what Stargate? Yeah. Okay. The original Stargate? Yeah. yeah. What, what did you think of it? Did you did oh, you God, think it, it it would turn into four hundred episodes? Do you think no. when you were watching it, did you did you see the the potential for that uh, for was, that, well, that storytelling device? That era of films, there was a snobbery about television, right? I mean, there was definitely like a you know if you if a show went to television, it's like oh god, well that's it's failed into television. You know what I mean? Like it's. There was there was such an incredible snobbery about television, and to be fair, television was pretty, you know, was pretty trite. Was pretty, you know, by the, you know, there was very definitely many standards and 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 sort of generic approaches to television back then. But I remember just seeing the film and just the whole concept of tying a, a history that I was aware of, listening a little bit in school. And then tying that into into the science fiction side of stuff that I loved. I mean, of course it appealed to me because it was a, you know, it's just another TARDIS for me, right? It was just another, it was just another Doctor Who 
it was a means of traveling through time and space. I mean, I know it was, it was, it was basically space, but, 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 you know, I, I, but that concept, that idea that there was somehow we're going to find this thing, the idea of, the idea of making it so tangible and so sort of Indiana Jones, I just thought was, I thought it was brilliant. It's brilliant. I was, I was one of more, like one of my greatest honors actually was to work um, uh, with Roland Emmerich uh, on Midway because, you know, there's a guy, that guy has created some serious, like, I mean, seriously, silly movies, like seriously, you know, suspect storylines and stuff, but boy, he just enjoys making a blockbuster. And I, and I was just so impressed with him and, and I'd read that he'd not been happy about Stargate going to television, which I understand now, because again, it was his thing. It was his and Dean's. It was my thing. Yeah, exactly. It was like my thing. And now it's a TV show. You haven't talked to me about it. It was like, you know, it was really badly managed and stuff. And I think it talked, it spoke to the way, um, you know, execs maybe used to, maybe still do. I don't know, feel about the, the, um, the sort of the, the creative side of this stuff, you know? Um, but it was, uh, but working with him was amazing. I couldn't, I, I was just so impressed with this guy. He works like a, it's just like clockwork. He's just, he's just amazing. Amazing. So did you watch SG1 uh, when it was first airing? I didn't. It was one of those things that I would sort of like, you know, as, as uh, uh, Rob Cooper would always joke about, he's like, he's like, when's it on? Turn on the television. Like, it's like, right. it was one of those things that would crop up every so often. And, and I was sort of aware of Amanda from, from Toronto days. Um, so I would see it, but it would get, but the weird thing with a show like that was that uh, unless you got the right episode, you didn't know what was going on. Right. So I, I found I didn't sort of like click with it unless I got an episode that was sort of more of a bottle show. And then I would watch the whole episode type thing, oh, you know, okay. but when it got into the politics of the world of Stargate or too much of the different races, there was a, I, I found it was, it was harder for me to sort of like, to, to, to sort of, um, uh, to, to engage in it. I was used to, I'm used to like the traditional Stargate, uh, the traditional Star Trek uh, science fiction or the Doctor Who stuff where it's like, you know, it's designed for people to drop in whenever. Yeah, and I think Stargate, while SG One was definitely um, definitely did that in a, in a, I would say almost a majority of their episodes. If you did get one that was a couple of episodes or whatever, I, you know, it's very very hard when you're flicking channels to do that. Nowadays, it's different because you can go like, what's going on? Oh, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch all those episodes. You right? almost have to watch anything nowadays from yeah. beginning to end. But the yeah, the, the I was always a huge fan of like the the Stephen King miniseries from the '90s. You know, mm, these four yeah. and five part epics like The Stand, yeah. which is actually being re-released now. Um, as a as an ongoing series, I think. Right? Uh, it's uh, 10 episodes. 10 episodes. So it's right. not going to be ongoing. Yeah. Um, oh, but that's it. it. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a, a single, you know, mm. self-contained story. If, if they do a it season two, it. that would be fascinating. They did it. They did. Um, mm-hmm. There was that Salem's Lot, which scared the crap out of me. Oh, my um, gosh. Uh, they did a bunch of those. Storm right? of the Century was excellent. Uh, oh, yeah. They redid yeah, The Shining. Yeah. Um, my ex-wife was in Storm of the Century. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I can't remember what she played in it. but uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But my point is, you know, these we've we finally caught on to this this uh, uh, longer form uh, uh, t- entertainment that's basically able to take works like novels and put them into miniseries or longer, like where seasons are basically yeah, chapters. Like, like a Game England's of Thrones. Yeah, like England's been doing since the beginning of television. Yeah. 
We finally caught Everyone on. Everyone used to laugh at England. They're like, oh, the longest running show on television with seven episodes. Right. Um, exactly. you know, seven episodes was... a season or things like that. But, but there yeah, are seven they... good episodes, you know? Yes. If you're not doing 20 episodes or 22 episodes a year, uh, you're, telling, you're telling the best of the best of the stories that you have for that season. And, I mean, yeah. poor Brad and Rob and Joe and Paul and all those guys kicking out 40 stories a year. Yeah. Your yeah. first three seasons. I don't know how they did it. You have to have filler episodes just from a budget. You have no choice. Have filler episodes. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. No, I agree. It's it was a different. I I really feel like Stargate was a part of so many different changes. Like I, one of my one. Of, I mean, I firmly believe that the internet is a big reason for Stargate's popularity because they were all you know the fans were early adopters. They 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 got onto they got onto these online platforms to talk about the show. Um, uh, you know, at a time when when most people weren't, um, and then, but but, it's still a very almost you know, 80s 90s style television show to start. So it struggled. I think they struggled when it came to Atlantis because because Atlantis was again was a very similar type style show, which I which I personally I think we need more of. I think we need more positive science fiction. I I think the nihilistic thing is fantastic. I love it. I love it has its that place. Stuff. It has its place, absolutely. I mean, it can't take over. Freaking brilliant. Yeah. But I want, I want a show that I can sit down and watch with my kid and my grand, my grandparents and my, you know, I mean, and that was, I think, the the big advantage of Stargate. But it's not sexy to writers and to producers, right? Right. Um, you know, they want the latest edgy show that's winning all the awards, and mm-hmm. people don't. People want characters that they they love and and adventurous situations, and yeah, I think they struggled with that a lot. Um, you know, but again. Brad was the master of love that stuff. I mean, Brad could walk that line between science fiction and comedy and character in a way that I don't think I don't think anyone, you know, the very few people are able to do. The man know. is a is a playwright. He can stick two yeah. people in a room in pretty much yeah. any situation and make it as interesting or more interesting than any uh, special yeah. effects that you could throw on the screen. Well, I mean, Game of Thrones is a perfect example of that, right? So Game of Thrones is a show that right. that, you know, sure, it was all Dungeons and Dragons and all the rest of that stuff. But that was not the appeal of the show. The appeal of the Correct. show was those characters. And and I heard I don't know whether this is true or not, but I heard on a on a podcast that apparently they finished they'd almost finished their first season and they sort of delivered it to HBO. And HBO goes, That's great. What are you gonna do for the next 15 minutes on each episode? And he they're like, What do you mean? And they said they that was when they realized that they were doing an hour show, not a not a traditional television 45 minutes that would become an hour with commercials. And so they flipped out, canceled the battle sequence for their last couple of episodes and just thought, who are the most interesting characters we could throw together into a conversation to make up that extra time throughout the series? That's largely true. And those became a lot of the best scenes in that first season, too. I would argue they they were the best scenes. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I mean, again, the effects were great. I it's there was a lot of there was like lightning in a bottle that show. So many things came together on that show. But it's like Atlantis. Um, you tune in for the characters. Yeah, that's it. So. That's it, and comedy as well. Because like, the other problem is, if science fiction takes itself too seriously, you lose people. It's too specific. If it gets too geeky, all about the tech stuff, yeah. you know. Like my joke with with McKay was, speak quickly, because the people who care about it will go back and let's do it again. The people who don't just want to laugh at the punchline. You know what I mean? Like, so that's true. Plus, I, I talk fast. <laughs> well, that's the other I, thing. My excuse for talking fast. Martin Garrow and I once talked when when he was creating uh, First Contact and and uh, Lost Tribe. It's like right. with you and Michael on. Was, you have to keep in mind that the script page they're they're going to eat up the dialogue. Oh yeah, we're like very quickly page scripts. Yeah. That, 
yeah. what oh was my it god like? i got some of the funnest times funnest i just made up a word you're good um some of the best times i had honestly were working w- with uh uh, with him, I, I just, I just, I uh, just absolutely lovely, lovely time on those episodes. What were they? Was it contact? Was it uh, first contact and lost tribe? First contact, yeah. Last, just last great. season, yeah. Just absolutely lovely. I just remember just, just, just that kind of laughing where you just with this, you're laughing like there's nobody watching. You know what I mean? Uh, just an absolutely lovely actor, and also, and then Martin Garrow is just as a, as a writer again, fantastic at writing, writing comedy, writing. Um, uh, uh, you know, writing characters that 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 are funny because of because of who they are, not because they're trying to get funny lines. You know what I mean? I would. Uh, I remember visiting you guys on the set, and you know, a lot of people ask, you know, what was what what was the 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 biggest practical joke or prank or everything, which is which is fine, but you go on. I, I would go on that set, and I would watch you, and I would watch Amanda on the other stage, and it was so apparent that you're obsessing over getting the dialogue right yeah. in your head and in the right order and sequence and getting it to come out at the right time. And, you know, that's an intense process. And yeah. I don't know how you did it, man. I guess you just have I to. Loved it. it became like a, it became almost like a, it's still to this day, the same thing. I feel like it's almost like, it's almost like solving a puzzle or doing exercise. I just would obsess on getting things right. I just did a show recently and had huge scene and was really struggling, kept kept losing the, the thread on stuff and realized how much of a muscle this is, like how much of a, you know, the less of it you do, the the harder it is to do. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and also there's just a, there's a sort of a sense of pride in it. I just, I don't want it to be split up. I want to get a run at it. I'm, I'm, you know, and Amanda's the same way. I mean, Amanda's back goes back to the days of theater as well in that, you know, we just want to get a run at it. You know, I, I, you want to do the whole thing. I no, I loved it. And I, but, and unfortunately because of that, I feel like I didn't have the time to talk with people as much as a lot of the other cast did. You know what I mean? I just, because I, you know, you had a lot of lines, you'd go home and learn the lines, learn the lines, fall asleep, get up early in the morning and go back to work again. I loved it, but I do sometimes I do looking back, I feel like, I think you become a little bit more of an outcast within the group because you can't do the dinners every night. You can't do the, you just have too much to do. You have to go to the lines. They have to get in there and somewhere or another, at some point or another, you have to have a life as well. Well, that was the, that was the RDA thing, right? So on a plane with RDA flying in for the first episode of Stargate Atlantis, the pilot, and he's there and I'm there. We're sitting literally in, you know, business class. I'm all excited because I had 60 bucks in the bank when this started. Um, and and there's and there's freaking MacGyver sitting beside me. And, um, and uh, you know, I was wading through this massive script and highlighting stuff and circling things and jotting things down. And, I lo- and he sort of looks over um, and sort of pulls out two little fact sheets and sort of waves them and sort of settles them down onto the little, the little uh, uh, lunch tray and then scratches out the first one circles the second one scratches out the third one turns to me and says get them wrong they stop giving them to you (laughs) 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 just like i was like oh my god if only i'd taken his advice uh you know because invariably the more you know the more you you can get done the more you the more they give you um but i just loved it i i i yeah, it, to me, it's it's almost like a it's a, it's like running a five k or something, you know, which I which I haven't. I don't and the techno babble itself is uh, we had we had um, uh, Nickel on a couple of weeks ago, and oh it's, yeah, it's uh, yeah that guy, right? Um, it's a language oh. in and of itself. 
Yeah. That there is a rhythm to it and that you have to sometimes decode it to really get what uh, specifically the um, the science that Mika created behind a lot right. of it. But at the same time, you know, there's you're trying to get to a point. You're you're you are explaining the MacGuffin or whatever the circumstance is in order to move the plot along. And right. you are servicing the plot as yeah. much as you are servicing the character. Well, and trying to marry the two, because yeah. there's sometimes, you know, you see a lot of actors who go like, oh, God, it's just like exposition. I just got to get through it. And I think that's such a mistake because because that's where you lose people. Right. I mean, you want to like you I, you have to, and, and the, you know, the right to be to be fair, credit where credit's due. The writers made it made it. Um, they, they mixed in the comedy. They mixed in the character stuff in a great way. But the idea of trying to make this stuff, you know, if you're excited about, so I mean, I see this with the kids with tech bandits. If you're excited about something, they get excited. That's contagious. Is, you know, the curiosity is contagious. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you can somehow get that across in your, uh, in, in, in what you have to say, the other, the other thing that really helps is you just, I, you love what you're doing. Right. I mean, I, I love it. I'm, I'm like, every time I launch into one of those speeches, I just kept thinking of Tom Baker. I just kept thinking of Tom <laughs> Baker, Dr. Who talking all that stuff. And I remember as a kid going like, what is that? I want to write that down. What does that mean? I'm like, I mean, I was literally, I would study that not as an actor, but as a nerd, like this is, a, I wanted to know everything about this stuff in the same way that, that, you know, we were, you know, I, I, I bailed on your trivia today because I feel bad because oh, the so reality funny. is you and the people who watch this know more about the show than I do now, honestly, because, you know, we're just not, we, you know, we, we don't, we don't have the same, the same um, uh, say insight into a lot of this stuff than, than the people do. I mean, I feel bad that I don't know as much about it. I think um, that you know more than you would give yourself credit for. I mean, it's not like I would I would throw you in episode four of season five, Rodney. You know, I'd be like, like, we did five episodes? I Jesus, think you would what? have more a better time than you're giving yourself credit for, but it's okay. So, um, but no, it's uh, it, the 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 fact that you know you you had done a hundred hours of television yeah. and i i've always wanted to sit down and count the words that every character had because i wow. would i would argue that you probably had 50 percent of this of all the spoken dialogue <laughs> it was a lot of dialogue it was a yeah. lot but, you know but again i i always just took it as a compliment like it's absolutely like, you know i was there was i mean there was always a little bit of like, oh boy. But the reality is you want that. At the end of the day, like watching the shows with my kid now. So one of the things we started doing was like, and it was sort of just to say thanks to people who were supporting Tech Bandits. I thought it'd be kind of fun to do screenings of the show and mm-hmm. not, I obviously can't show it, but I would just watch it. It would be like a fake commentary, but with my son. Of course, my son is more brutal than McKay um, about <laughs> most of it. And, uh, uh, but it's, you know, it's thinking back, you go like, I'm glad I learned those lines. I'm glad I enjoyed that scene. I'm glad I got that right. Because, you know, it's, it's my son's looking at it now and going like, God, my dad's like, he's not, he's not an idiot. I mean, he is an idiot, but he doesn't have to be, you know, like it's, it's just kind of neat to have that. I mean, this stuff stays now in a way that it didn't used to used to what used to do an episode of a show. And if you miss it that day, you probably won't see it. You know That's I mean? exa- and yeah, but now it's ubiquitous. Now it's everywhere. Yeah. And Netflix has just picked up SG One again. I mean, it's filed under mature, so I mean, we've got a few hurdles. That, yeah, because of the nudity in the in the pilot, they didn't put up oh. the final cut, so they just kind of threw it up there. That's always my issue with Stargate. It's like, oh, Stargate, ah, you know, see, uh, ten seasons of of uh, SG One. You know, we're, we'll we'll put Jonas on the cover. You know, because he was in one of them. So it's because, a product. Yeah, it's definitely right. A product. You know, it, it doesn't have me. the. 
the 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 care that it that it should from from the people who. You but know, I feel are... like it would be bigger. I think it would be bigger if there had been more more impetus put on on outreach and stuff. I mean, near the end there, we started having like I love to. You have the podcast guys coming in to talk to you about about the show. I mean, that was you know that's when they finally sort of embraced that or realized right. that, that might have something to do with it. But they always brought in these marketing people, and you'd be like, "What do you?" What do you, you know, you should take an ad out in Variety. I'm like, no one in Variety gives a crap about this. We should be taking, go to Nature Magazine, go to like mm-hmm. National Geographic, go to, like, we've got a smarter audience than a bunch of freaking Hollywood people. Like, what do you, they, I always felt like they got it wrong. And they're like, they're always like, well, it's entirely, it's a male audience. I'm like, it's not a freaking male audience. Stop saying that. Of course the guys like it, but I got news for you. So do the girls who are dating them. I mean, like, or the, or the ones they're married to. I mean, like, it's just, it's, it was so frustrating to listen to listen to this like these marketing people try to tell you how the the show should be or was going to be marketed. I mean, you know, like do I remember we did like one season we did a whole. I'm sorry, I sound like I'm complaining. I'm not really complaining. I just I just it's no, I like, think you're providing context to the hindsight. situation. Yeah, it's why like, don't we have you know, an SG four? It's reasons like this. Yeah, it's like that's it, and I think that's the reason why it's not going. It's because I don't think that you know that the, the writers and producers got the support that they needed from the from the um uh you know from the people who are making the show but again that's you know i guess part of the job is convincing people that that's the way it should be done but well, but it's not cool like star wars is it's not a fairy tale it's yeah sci-fi. the funny thing about star wars is like star wars sucks when it tries to become science fiction star wars was Correct. never science fiction it was no it's science, a fairy tale it, it was a, it was fantasy it was yeah. it was science fantasy and i loved it for that that's why i love the mandalorian because i feel like it's returned to this kind yeah, of that's fantasy. a western exactly yeah it's a western exactly and that's i mean that's that's probably a better actually that's you're right david that's probably a better description it really is a science western and that's what it originally started off with and that's and then it so they tried to they tried to explore the science it's like oh give it up whereas like star trek if you take that science out then you don't have star trek anymore Mm-mm. like star trek was for people who wanted to delve deeper into these concepts you know mm-hmm. um and yeah. then stargate I think Stargate was like a nice mix of the two, you know. I mean, you had very smart people with some really interesting perspectives on, on, you know, on society, on on interactions between people, and also on technology. And I think we always had the advantage of being able to have a contemporary sense of humor and a contemporary perspective on the science fiction that we're dealing with, right? There was always someone to step back and go, like, that alien's not wearing any pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, pants are optional yeah. for some aliens. Yeah, but exactly. it, I think it comes down to uh, what do you want out of your entertainment? And mm-hmm. I have friends who just exclusively go um, turn on uh, whatever program to turn their brain off. Well, I want yes. to turn my brain on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's just – it's just a different uh, core motivation. I think I would argue in a way, though, that that certainly Atlantis, I felt, was was not turn your brain off, but I felt like you could just kick back and enjoy it in a way that you you, you can't sometimes with, with other Undisputable. Scientists. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, and, and SG-1 certainly as well. I mean, I, I it's funny. I remember, God, they were just, I mean, it's so funny looking back on it because there's just so many things. Mean, so, I mean, I've probably forgotten more than I remember, but but, you know, I remember every year there being these you know, like network meetings and, 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 uh, you know, these sort of this, the, 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 the wonderful pilgrimages to, uh, to Comic-Con and stuff. And again, like right. the Comic-Cons where I felt like, I was like, this is where I feel like, this is where you go like, look, it's 5,000 people in a room and you're talking to them about don't record it. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was a, don't record it because if you record it, then we don't get the ratings. And it's like, I'm like, if you have to beg people not to record your show, if you have to, if you have to beg 5,000 of probably the more technically advanced people on the planet 
to not record, to not use the technology that we're preaching in the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just seemed, it just seemed crazy to me. That's what, look, that's why I love, I love the internet. I love Twitch. I love YouTube. I love all this stuff because I feel like it's, 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 it's bringing it back to, you know, it's bringing it back to the people. It's bringing it back to mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the fact that you could do a show like this. I mean, there's a good chance. I, mean, I don't know where you are with it, but I mean, there's a very good chance that this, this becomes a living. I mean, whoever thought that was possible, like, like even, you know, 10 years ago. I know that's, and that's why I'm think, saying, you know, this, all this is accelerating very quickly. And so yeah. we all just have to hang on and, you know, be there for each other and, you know, be supportive of one that's another it. through this yeah, whole thing. Exactly. So. Um, well, and the other thing that the other thing I love about about the internet uh, side of this stuff is you're not competing. There's no, you know, like just because because there's fifty thousand podcasts out there. I mean, yes, obviously, there's a limited amount of time to listen to things, but right. just because I'm not watching this live, I can still watch it later, um, or I watch you live and I watch someone else li- later. I mean, the, the, there's no there's scarcity. no you're not, you're not yeah there's no scarcity factor, and I think that's what terrifies traditional television and film is there's no scarcity so there's no value oh yeah the writing's on the wall it's they're either going to transform with the rest of it or go extinct um yeah and it's that's so exciting yeah i love it i mean i'm all i'm all for it yeah i i I just i honestly like my my wife you know my wife is producing films that's what she does she's in traditional television and film and what's weird is i started thinking that i would be doing that with her and i have completely changed i'm only interested in online stuff i'm only interested in twitch and youtube and whatever other platforms show up because i i feel like i would that's that's where that's where my audience is in my mind i mean that's where i want to be i i I love this stuff the kids the kids it's hard to get the the kid to watch a an entire film you know what i mean Um, yeah that's well that's got its own issues i mean there's there's a um there's an Another concern is just a, a, the the lack of attention, the the lack of the yeah. ability to focus. But I mean, th- that's separative of the uh, of the content being interesting or not. Mm, um, yeah, because there is a situation, there can be a situation where, well, this is actually not that really that good at all. So <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing though. It's the slow build, right? It's like that. It's like Hollywood's got to this point. No, not even Hollywood. I think just like media entirely has so got to this point where we skip the setup. Mm. We just dive straight into it now. Whereas there used to be like a setup and then you would build this like suspense and then you would get your first reveal and then you and then move and then the movie would really kick in and that kind of stuff. And that was the criticism they, of season one of SGU. Oh, really? Yeah, that it was it was a slow build. And then by the time you got ah. to season two, the those who were sticking around for it, like, this is good. And then you had so many of the audience who was like, Oh, I was already gone at that point. There was nothing wrong with the quality of SGU. I think it was again, it came down to the marketing of it, and I think and 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 you know, again, the advantage that Atlantis always had was that I never felt like we were replacing SG One. We were, we were just a, we were like, you know, augmenting it. I mean, we were like a, you know, we were like an added bonus at that point. Uh, I think if they'd canceled SG One and put Atlantis on the air, I don't think Atlantis would have gone more than a couple of seasons either, because I think that I, I think really? there was no, there was no crossover. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was really, I was stunned that we didn't do a season six. Absolutely stunned. Not just because. I don't think it was just an arrogance thing. I think it was just, uh, uh, I just, I, it just made sense to me. Like they, w- what a great way to promote a new show by having it come in right after the show that, that, you know, people are already watching. I mean, it, it just, I, admittedly a very different show. And I think they, look, they did it with, they did it with SG one as well. Right. When they started SG one, they tried to be all edgy and sexy and naked. And 
And, you know, and they quickly realized that wasn't their audience. And well, I the naked thing was not was not uh, Brad or Jonathan's decision. That was that was a network uh, decision. Right. So. I mean, the but I mean, basically, I mean, like the collective, everybody. The this fact is, is true. that what got to air was this, because that's what they thought that they were that the audience that they were appealing to. And then they realized over the years that this is a very different audience than that. They didn't need this edgy stuff. And I think edgy is one of those things like. I understand edgy for the sake, I understand edgy if you need things to be edgy. You want there to be a sense of peril to things, for sure. And I mean, you know, Doctor Who, for all of its silliness, I always, there was always an element of like, maybe he won't get out of this. You know what I mean? And I think it was so important to do that. And I was always sort of like stressing that to people uh, on set, because it's like, you want to make sure that people feel the peril. If you don't feel that your characters are in peril, or they don't feel in peril, then you don't, the audience isn't with you either, right? That's right. You Everyone needs while... to feel like he's screwed every time. Exactly. Explosive tumors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, don't even start me on that one. That was, I don't know what they're What? My favorite episode? We can't talk about it? Oh, well, oh, the, the explosive tumor thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the explosive tumor thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, God. I, I had, I, before we get into fan questions, we've got a number of them here. Uh, I, because you're such a data head, the, the or tech head rather, the uh, there was so many tablets and uh, devices on set. Um, did you ever get to have any input into making any of the tech looking more credible, or were your no? The were only your thing comments ins- ever welcome? The only thing I insisted on, and I didn't even I don't think I even asked anybody. I just did it. Was I was not going to walk around with those stupid pencils. I was like, it's not, this is not how we're going to interact with these tablets. There's no freaking way in an emergency, I'm going to go pull out a pen and start. I need to be able to hit this tablet with my fingers, which is funny because they, and, and which is a little thing, but hadn't, you know, the iPad wasn't out yet. No. Um, yeah. So the idea of, so basically I'm claiming I invented the iPad, um, <laughs> but no, I just, the idea that it needed to be more tactile for me um and i would and when guest stars would come on i'd say like actually don't bother using the pencil just use your and they're like oh thank god because it's fiddly and all this stuff um that's right but, yeah you were several years before that look at you so well it, it just seemed it, well for it was partially just acting as well i yeah. knew that i was going to be fiddling i hate props hate props i love props in that i love them uh but i but i hate having to use them because i'm just not that i'm so i'm so badly coordinated i'm such a klutz I'm dropping stuff all the time. I'm like, you know, if there's a foam set, you know, I'm going to lean on it. Like, I'm just like the worst of that <laughs> stuff. So it was just the logistics of like, I felt that if I was playing around with a pencil the whole time, I was going to be screwed and two handed. I, I just, it was just so, so that was, so that was the only real impact I made on the, on, on the technology side of stuff. There was, I kept bugging them about sponsorship. I kept saying like, come on, we could have like the coolest things. And mm-hmm. and then these like big giant Dells would show up, which were at the time were quite high end. But yeah. I was always like, why I feel like, and and you look back at it now, Baz is like, oh my God, what are you carrying? Like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, you, you got a Game Boy. Um, you know, so it is U.S. government here we're talking about. I don't necessarily think that they would all have Macs. That but, is true. That yeah. is true. Um, <laughs> and would you really yeah, want a Mac that, to interface with Lantian Tech? So, yeah, the U- yeah, that's right. Well, everything was USB. That was I used to joke about that too. That everything was like. Luckily, the universal standard is was USB for basically <laughs> even the Wraith, all their ooey gooey technology stuff. There was still a. Little, little well, with PropWorks, when I was at PropWorks, we had we, these little devices that had little, like, red lights on it. And at one end, it was Wraith 
teeth, and at yeah. the other end was a USB That's adapter. That's the one. And that, that was the one that got me joking about it. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah, and I've got your um, your uh, your little Game Boy right over here. So oh, you got it. Oh, great. Yeah. So it's little things like that that sold. What the overall idea was is that we are we are evolving um, this technology with uh, with our own tech and mm-hmm. making it work to to get the story across. It's funny, you know, talking about the props thing. Props is kind of one of my favorite things to talk about because I feel like uh, we're at a point now with the like, you know, I think it was like uh, I can't remember it was Coppola who said he's like the person he was most worried about is some kid in the basement making the next movie, basically, or you know, the next Star Wars or something. The reality is now that cosplay. Is so far ahead of the stuff that we were having. I mean, the 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 props on Stargate were amazing, but they would spend like ten thousand dollars on like a little piece of plastic that had been molded to look like yeah. whatever, uh, with a couple of lights in it and stuff. Um, the fact of the matter is that this technology now, with three D printing and stuff, are, the props that I'm seeing built by fans are better than the ones that we're using on set in some cases. Yeah, you I'm know? sure you've seen um, your Stargate. Being oh my god, starting in, in Europe, the 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 Atlanta Stargates oh. that's been duplicated, stunning, absolutely stunning. I mean, look, Amazing. I three D print them myself. I have like, I'm actually looking at getting some. Um, I've got some little, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, the Adafruit makes a little pixel ring mm. that I'm going to embed in. I have a little Stargate cam, my Stargate Squirrel cam that I use on um, <laughs> on Tech Band Aids. It's basically just a little Stargate three D print, and it and it looks out over the backyard where there's awful a lot of squirrels. So, uh, and it just it reminds the kids that I'm never on topic for long. Um, so, and unfortunately, we, uh, my my wife was watching one episode that she never watches. Uh, and during the episode, a giant rat wandered, waddled by. So she was like, that's it. No more feeding the birds. We're done. Right, so, so the squirrel cameras become a little less popular. Put the kibosh on that. Now, Legends Memorabilia, they put this out, I think. Oh, wow. Like, um, it's been probably 15, 16 years now. And wow. this was revolutionary at the time. Yeah. And now you can just 3D print these things. And as long as you put it on a setting where yeah. you have um, uh, like a higher fidelity, they'll, they're, they yeah, look just see. as good. One. Let, me, let me grab one. Yeah. Um, let me see. I've got, so, okay. So this is, so squirrel cam here. Let me see if I've got this. The master's laboratory. So, that's, so this is squirrel cam. <laughs> and basically, so there's like bits of thing. You don't see this side of it, but you'd see this side. Right. So you get this, you get this beautiful, the detail. I don't know how much of it you can get, but the detail is just, is just stunning. So I want to get some lights in on there. But then, of course, you've got a nice wide-angle lens. you get this giant Stargate in the foreground. And then squirrels. How can you lose? Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, this stuff is so, you know, people were saying, like, how do I get into science fiction right now? And I said, honestly, like, I don't know if I'd be writing it. Because the reality is everyone's been at home for, like, eight months. The writing's being done. What yeah. you, if you want to get into it and have some fun, start doing some cosplay stuff. Start building some props because they're going to need them. They're going to start building all this. There's going to be so much work for people building stuff for these things. And also, you know, student films, any of that kind of stuff. We've got technologies now that can make them not only, in many cases, work. Like, you know, you put a little Raspberry Pi or a little uh, portable computer, IoT, you know, Internet of Things stuff in there. All of these things can be like beautifully functioning, winky, blinky lights and all that sort of stuff. But not only that, you've got the VFX tools that are cheap enough now that you can make them look completely legit. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you can do all of Star Trek, all of Star Trek or Stargate's effects now, and probably, well, not even probably, definitely better than we did in the day. Not because they were bad back then, but because they were 
you know, they just technology wasn't there. The computers weren't fast enough. The software wasn't there for it. That's exactly I'm so right. like that, that, that I, I can't wait to see what happens with that stuff. It's, it's going to be great. Martin Wood and I were talking a few episodes ago about the shots that he can achieve with drones now. We're just unimaginable, you know, before it was like, yeah. okay, line producer says, if we don't get to the crane shot in five minutes, they're going to have to send the crane guy home. Oh, light's gone. Nope. Crane guy's home. Now we just fly this thing and, you know, you can program it for all these courses and it goes between the actors and everything else between yeah. like wiring and everything. And it's just the shots that we can achieve are just amazing. Yeah. They're stunning. I mean, it's, I, I would argue though, that in the same way that, you know, they overdid uh, visual effects at the beginning. I think the drone stuff gets overused as well. Cause the other thing you have to do when you've got a drone shot is they're noisy. Yeah. So you have to, you have to loop everything that everyone's saying. And all of a sudden the acting takes a hit, right? So yeah. I don't care how fancy your shot is. If I don't believe what the people are saying, it's not, you know, so I think, I feel like it's definitely walking a line with that stuff. Um, you know, I remember having, I remember having a discussion with Guillermo um, on shape of water yeah. and he was saying that he doesn't like CG. And I was like, Okay, but but here's the deal. I said it's because you haven't seen, like I I feel like CG. Uh, he's like CG movies don't generally work, and I was like I think I, th- I said I think you need to go on the internet. You need to look at a few of these different things because there's technology and effects out there that I think are as good, if not better, than anything that can be done uh, physically. Although obviously the physicality of stuff, the the being able to touch things, being able to to actually interact with things. Again, you could 3D print some simple objects that can be then augmented with visual effects. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's spectacular, spectacular. But, the, but again, yeah, the drone stuff is interesting because the, the, what I'm waiting for now is more automation in the film industry. We're seeing this because of COVID protocols. You can't have as many people on set. You can't have um, uh, close proximity on, on well, the, the actors basically have close proximity to each other anyway. Unless but. you're with Tom Cruise's crew, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. I actually, I actually tweeted in support of him because I was like, he's absolutely right. If yeah. he gets sick, there are thousands of people out of work. Oh yeah, that's undisputed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure I, I would have gone more than I would have McKay. I would have gone full McKay easily. Um, but but I I, I feel like um, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with you know these cranes that used to cost hundred thousand dollars to have like motion controlled cameras. I I mean I could do that with you know. Obot can do that. I can have Obot do exactly the same moves over and over again. I stick a GoPro on it. I've got motion controlled cameras. Uh, I'm talking to a company called Haddington Robotics next week that have this 3D printable giant arm that is so precise. You can actually do 3D printing with it. And it's like under a thousand dollars and it can, you know, you put a camera on that and you've got a motion controlled arm. I mean, like, it's it's brilliant. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen with this stuff. Um, even in live stuff, you wait. So you start now. You've got a few props in the background. You you're going to have some. You're already you're playing with stuff with OBS. I've seen some really yeah. cool opening title sequences and stuff. What did you use for for your stuff? Uh, so, well, OBS I like is is what i use but like for my title sequences and everything else i have i have a friend of mine bryce ors uh he's he's uh french and he he built all of our content That's so beautiful. all the all the interfaces and everything else that I, I they're just as good as anything that was you know yeah. that was used on on atlantis as far as absolutely I'm concerned. beautiful you have so. to put me in touch because I, I i i absolutely love love it i, thought it was, it was I can put you in touch with them absolutely yeah it looks gorgeous sure. those what is it with the french and their damn vfx they're amazing at this stuff they i i, I don't know i there's something going on there for sure. Because so. I've been looking at uh, at the uh, what is it called the Stargate uh, Network, SG, the Stargate Network, the, That's the game. Bryce, is that Bryce? Yeah. 
course it is. Of course it is. I only know them as their code names on on Discord. (laughs) Ibrek and all these different folks. But well, it just goes to show, you know, if you want something done right, go to the go to the French. (laughs) Mais oui, c'est vrai, c'est très vrai. At least as far as visual effects, yeah, he's he's a genius. So I love his work. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous stuff. Yeah. Jonas wants to know: Do you think that there is intelligent life? Yes. Maybe not on this planet, but certainly somewhere else. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I like. I think it's an absolute. Uh, I mean, what kind of? You'd have to have a definitely McKay-like ego to believe that 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 intelligence is only available on this on this planet. I, I feel like we've, we're dealing with such unimaginably huge numbers of planets and stars that many of which I'm sure, well, a few of which will I'm sure fall into the Goldilocks zone mm-hmm. that allows life. Um, but I also, you know, I also wonder if there isn't stuff out there that doesn't conform to what we consider life, you know? So, I, you know, I, I, you know, people ask if I believe in aliens. I'm like, yeah, they're around us all over. The, look at them. I mean, go, go look at the depths of the ocean. Go look at the, 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 the microscopic world. I mean, we are surrounded by the most alien, bizarre creatures of, that are, you know, I, yeah, I absolutely believe this intelligent life. Um, and I hope that one day we'll become one of those intelligent life. <laughs> well, I mean, also... It, it, you're right. I, I don't know how how uh, it, much it would resemble like us. Uh, so the majority of the universe is dark matter, so yeah. I mean, there's who knows if we'd be able to even communicate with some of this stuff. Well, so. and the idea that I mean, I sort of make this joke that that the the first aliens we meet are going to be transformers because they're the only thing that's going to be able to get to us is something that is not living. It's going to be so far. Uh, you know, and in fact, the first interactions with us is are going to be these these you know drones and rovers and stuff that are that are out there so i feel like in a way that's my excuse for watching all of the that's my excuse for watching and enjoying all of the uh, the transformer movies with my son so you don't believe we've been we've been visited do i believe we've been visited yet um that's an interesting question i don't think so i don't think so um okay. yeah i just because i don't feel like any I don't believe that any sufficiently intelligent race is going to sneak onto our planet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't feel like if they've got to have the technology to not only get here, they've got to have the technology and the understanding to, to not, you know, to, 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 to not terrify us in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I just don't feel like it's going to be, I imagine it would probably be a small mission. I suppose you're not going to send a, a giant ship of people, uh, right away, but but I yeah I, I just don't I feel like we would know mm. I feel like we would know I'd love to, I wish we had but I I don't yet. I think there's a reasonable chance that it's us visiting from the future. Well, there's that yes. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely this the the whole time the whole time travel thing is a is a is a whole other kettle of worms that's uh, that's that's fun to think about. Well, I mean, if you, if you had the tech, you know, at, at a certain point down the road, you you would send historians back to observe. Mm. If mm. if they could observe without interfering, so unless you have no well, problem with making new timelines, <laughs> exactly. so if we're going to go down that road. Well, and that's and that's the other thing is like I mean, so are there parallel universes where that's happened? Of course, I mean, I, I I'm sure that if they, if that is the way that the universe works, I'm I'm sure it's happened. But I yeah, I just I don't feel like I don't I I don't believe that something as monumental as that can be hidden. I just don't I just don't I just don't believe it. At this point, I don't feel like yeah. I mean if look if it happened like last year, if it happened in twenty twenty, then maybe, but but I, I but I just don't I don't believe it's happened yet. That's fair. McCurian 
David, the role you embodied inspired many young people like myself to pursue a career in science. Uh, before I ask the question, do you... And my work is done. <laughs> that has to be one of the most rewarding aspects of... It is absolutely, absolutely. It's the best compliment you can give me. Can never honestly. get over that, you know, that, yeah. that you helped to, to shape people for the better. So, well, and the irony being that Rodney. a high school dropout, <laughs> a high school dropout who couldn't, you know, couldn't get himself through, just couldn't bear the thought of sitting in a classroom any longer could could do that i i yeah honestly that is that that's the best the best gift you could get from this honestly mccurian wanted to know uh, from your point of view what's the most clever trick or ingenious idea rodney ever came up with to save the day <laughs> uh well that's a good one um god david nickel was saying I think probably coming up with i think coming up with the idea that amanda tapping was in the ship with me I think that was probably the most brilliant thing <laughs> That he would conjure her? That he would conjure her and use her to bounce the ideas off. I think that was probably his most brilliant way out of something, I would say. <laughs> David Nickel uh, was saying that, that he came up with Wormhole Drive. And I went back for the last episode and I went back and checked. And his line is actually that it's something that Rodney has been working on. Of so, course. <laughs> of I think we have to take, basically, I think, look, the, the wonderful thing about Rodney is he'll take credit for anything. But, but um, I... Uh, I loved the interaction between Zelenka and and McKay. It was so. It's very hard not to be not to mis- mistreat Nickel Onset as well. <laughs> you get into character, you start like, "Oh, shut up, my line or whatever." You know what I mean? Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I just I loved that interaction because I I I'd seen it. I'd been a part of it. You know, I mean, as a as a computer nerd, and I I took a bit of time off and worked in IT, and you'd meet these people who were just impossible to talk to impossible to work with they were just but they were so good at what they did and i think that that and i they just encapsulated that in such a great way i mean i think one of the reasons why they gave mckay so much to do i think is because the writers are very mckay i think they're definitely mckayisms to a lot of the writers and i don't mean that in a bad way i mean i mean in in the both well i mean in both they're both brilliant and curmudgeony in in their own their own ways i wasn't planning on asking you this but i can't resist um (laughs) in the the Me Too era, um, it, it were were uh, Atlantis uh, done today? Do you think Rodney would have been written more, like more? Oh, it's such a tough one. Yeah. Yes. I. I mean. I think honestly. I think nowadays. Um, you know. Well, so if he was done right now, I mean, I think you know, Rainbow Rainbow Sun Franks would be a great McKay. I mean, you know, originally he was supposed to be a brilliant black astrophysicist, and 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 I think that you know. Uh, Rainbow has matured into an amazing, like amazing actor who does a lot of this exposition stuff now. And I think, I think, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm sorry, I make it sound like I'm I'm lamenting that. I think that's the way it should be, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was being very, very fortunate that that at the time, you know, they were still very clunky in how they were going to try to cover diversity on television. And it was about sort of like, how many of those do you have? How many of those do you have? I mean, it's a horrible system. Um you know, the number of times I would get, you know, they would, you know, called about an audition, not on this show, but on other other shows, they'd say, no, we've gone black with that role. And you're like, oh, God, listen to yourselves. Like, A, I didn't get the role, but B, like, what are you saying? So I, no, I think that would be very, very different. Very, very different. In fact, I, one of the reasons I'd love to see, I'd love to see the show come back. Why I'd love to do it again is I'd love to see I mean, you, someone who's going to get called out for Me Too would be McKay. I mean, McKay said and did all of the, mm-hmm. 
you know, these terrible things. I mean, the way he talked to Amanda I mean, grabs her like, butt I, and Movius. I mean, you I mean, that just no, wouldn't it, happen now. It, exactly, it wouldn't I mean, be portrayed on television. Well, and it's one of those things that I think, um, you know, it's one of those things that I think it's it's not even that it shouldn't be portrayed on television. I think it should be portrayed on television. No, I, I yeah, it just it, but it was it's played as a joke. You know, it's yes. it's it wouldn't be portrayed as he he would still do it if you wanted the audience to go. That's an ass. Not yeah. what he's grabbing, but what he's well, he who he is. Ass. I mean, this is yeah. the thing: is he wasn't ass. I, he is the class. He's everything that's wrong with science. I mean, every well, I would say almost society at this point where arrogance, you know, yeah, there's an arrogance, demeaning. There's a, there's a there's the selfishness. There's a you know, I think there's a you know, I've, I've always said that there's. I don't think that we even use the term anymore, but Aspergers. There's a there's a yeah. He doesn't. He, he is terrible socially. Terrible socially. I but I um, think he doesn't. I think he doesn't care. I don't think he cares because <laughs> he knows. I don't that think he's, he knows. He knows that he's like, right. I think he does care. Okay. I just don't think he understands it. I think okay. he doesn't understand social cues. I mean, it's classic, yeah. um, you know, on the spectrum uh, behavior because he just doesn't. I don't think he picks up the social cues right. I yeah. don't think he understands it. Um, you know, and he was sort of raised. We were at that time, that era. Those were the people. Yeah. I mean, those were the people who ran these corporations. They were. They were, they were, people were, people were, um, uh, you know, put on pedestals for being smart and ruthless and not saying no, not taking no for an answer. And then suddenly we realized that we've just basically, we're rewarding psychopaths. Mm. Um, you know, so I think there was a, there's a pressure, there was a pressure for men to behave that way to some extent, um, that that's how you proved you were a man. You didn't, mm. you didn't admit defeat. You didn't, uh, you know, show emotion. You didn't, um, you know, women were under, were beneath you. And I mean, there's just, I mean, I, I, it's all wrong now, obviously not even now it was wrong then, but I, I I feel like it was a culture that was that, that, that I think it'd be interesting to explore it now. I mean, I, I would love to see McKay show up with a younger generation and, and see and understand what he's allowed to and not allowed to say and stuff. I mean, you know, I went I attended a, um, uh, every every show that you do now, if you're in for more than a couple of episodes, you do um, you do different types of training, whether it's COVID training or in this case, it's it was um, uh, I want to say assault training. It's not assault training, <laughs> the, the worst of training to get. But, um, you know, sexual assault and, and um, uh, you know, abuse, uh, uh, like a lecture that talks to you about all the different you know potential ways that this could be construed and stuff. And, and there are things that as an older straight white guy you know i i didn't get i just didn't get it i wasn't aware that there were things like you know i mean one of the classic jokes that people used to make on set would be about like well i can't say that anymore and i was like and what they're saying in these in these um in these conversations now is that you can't say that that's like saying you want to say that but you can't like it's not there's just so many things that are built into the way there was sort of like simple easy ways to get a laugh on set you cannot do anymore and i and I feel horrible about it because I realize that there's stuff that's happened over the years that I should have said things about that I didn't. And, 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 um, well, being you know, aware uh, is the first step. What was that? Being aware is the first step. Yeah, it is. But I, I but again, I think there's only, there's only so much padding on my own back I can do on that stuff because I, I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, there's just truly, uh, like the Black Lives Matter stuff that's come up recently has been sort of startling to me because I realized that 30 years ago, I watched a video of Rodney King getting the, the, the crap beaten out of him and thought, oh my God, what a terrible situation. Well, that's blown the lid on that. Done. Off we go. Mm -hmm. 30 years later, I see a video, you know, uh, of the poor man being killed 
I mean, and I go, oh my God, I, because of where I am in the world and the color of my skin, I've been able to not even realize that this was still an issue. And literally I was shocked. And, you know, I'm talking to, to friends of ours, you know, who are like, I have to explain to my kid that he's black. And even though he's 13 years old, he's not that cute, silly kid anymore to, to a cop with a gun right now. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, what, really? I was like, in this neighborhood? She's like, this neighborhood, this, this country, this like, and I'm like, oh my God, I had, like, I literally had no idea. You know, not that that's an excuse. I just, but I literally had no idea. I thought these were like incidents. I didn't realize this was systemic. I mean, I, you know, it's shocking to me. Um, you know, so anyway, that's right. I totally no, I understand. It's just, but it, <laughs> no, but it's a fascinating to get back. thing though. No, ab- no, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, um, uh, I, I do hope that McKay comes back in SG four, and it, it would be it would be interesting to uh, to see his his new directions in this in this new day and age. Yeah, and to so. see where he's gone with this stuff, because I'd like to think I'd like to think that he probably wouldn't have. have I don't think he still I don't think still would have picked up on a lot of this stuff. I think he'd be very resentful about this stuff. You know, well, in fact, I would be, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if his career has been has been marred by a few incidents. Um, which could be interesting as well. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I think. You know. Well, I would hope that that Jennifer would help have helped. You know. Exactly. Tame yes. a lot if of she that. Stu- if she stuck with him. I th- do you think she would have? Do you think I that? The, do you think that that was? Lo- <laughs> I wouldn't have. Jane <laughs> gave me 15 minutes when I got home to lose McKay or lose her. Forever, That's right. So. Snapping your fingers and pointing. That's right. That was it. I had to stop the snapping. Yeah. I, I mean, I. That relationship was so funny because I, of course, loved it because, I mean, Jewel State, I mean, what I, I mean, talk about right. a, a science fiction, like icon. icon, I mean, just, oh my God. I mean, Firefly was, was still to this day, I mean, no offense to Stargate, still, I, I think one of the, one of the most effective modern science fictions I've ever seen. I couldn't get over it. The character development, everything. I did. I just, it was, it was gorgeous. Um, and of course, so is she, but, um, but I, I, uh, uh, but I definitely struggled with with the romance stuff. I, I I find it, I feel like it's again it it sort of harkens back to the to the eighties nineties television, doesn't it? Where you have to people have to partner up and you know and I I I feel like the 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 wonderful nature of 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 what could happen is always marred by what does happen, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I I feel that the the sexual tension is much more fun. <laughs> uh in a way than than the than the actual getting together thing so speaking of sexual attention kind of tangentially related marita wanted to know who is the smartest mckay or carter (laughs) (laughs) uh (laughs) i well i know what i would say and uh, and and uh but i know i also know what mckay would say as well i mean i think i mean mckay obviously felt I think McKay McKay felt threatened by by Carter. Oh, I mean, unquestionably. Was, yeah, uh, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I think uh, definitely McKay. <laughs> well, I would. <laughs> I, I can't bring myself to actually say it. the the <laughs> argument that I always make is that we as humans we only have so much bandwidth. Yeah. And Sam had a lot of focuses in a lot of other areas too, and was yes. was arguably much more of it much more human in terms of like her human so i think i think mckay was just a lot more raw data and yeah. it had more raw data to just mine from and that's what his focus was so i mean all things being equal i would probably think that mckay is smarter 
But I mean, if, if we're talking like, but we're not like a better human. That's mm, the difference. Certainly not. So yeah, I think. And I mean, the other thing is, I I, I think you know, uh, you know, I, I would talk for three pages about stuff that that then Shepard could reduce to a couple of sentences or a grunt. You know what I mean? So I feel like I feel like there's a you know, who's smarter at what? You know mm. what I mean? Like I, I feel like we all one of the beauties of science of 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 Stargate, both SG one and Atlantis, um, you know, I can't speak too much to to, to universe because I didn't I didn't watch as much yeah. of it. But 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 I, I felt like they you know, we each had our niche. That was the beauty of it. Everyone had the areas of expertise. And yeah, they crossed over in, in places. But I, I just, I felt like, I felt there was a, the, the competition between, I, I think, you know, who's smarter? I think we pushed each other to be smarter. Yeah, I think that's, that's the, true the, too. The, the beauty of the competition. I think that element is, and it's so true because that's such a nerdy thing to do. Like you, no one wants to be, no one wants to be wrong. Um, everyone wants to be the smartest kid in the, in the class, but, but or at least respected. But, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I mean, that was the wonderful thing about McKay's, McKay's sort of travels through, through Stargate was that I mean, he came in as a guest star who was just odious to some extent. This really um, sucks. <laughs> basically. Um, and then, and then had to, and then they had to sort of, we sort of got to explain how, why he was like that. Right. Exactly. And I, I, and I just, I loved that. I thought that was, it was just so clever the way they did it. And then when, and then showing up on SGU, I was worried about how that was, how I was going to work in that world. Cause it was such a serious, such a serious science fiction world. Um, and again, I thought Brad just did a beautiful job of, of, of managing to keep McKay, but, but take away, you know, just, just, just maybe, maybe harden the edges a bit again so that we could, we could get a, so he would fit in this world. You know what I mean? So he didn't just show up and start looking like a clown, you know, in this. No. You know. Yeah. It has, it has to, has to fit. Mm. Claire wanted to know um, the whole, sh- the, the shrine scene with Shepard and McKay on the pier was heartwarming and lovely. One of my favorite scenes from the show as well. Yeah. It's great. Isn't it? uh, the last, I line, loved our stuff. It was terrific. How <laughs> you guys were really, I know Joe was really chugging them down. Uh, the last line, you're a good friend, Arthur. Was that improv or was that written by Brad? We did a bunch of different ones. I think I, I'm pretty sure there was, I think the, if it wasn't Arthur, it was a different name. I think there was, it was, it was definitely scripted, but we would, every time we did it, we would try to come up with different names basically <laughs> to get each other to laugh. So there were a number of ones. I think there were a little less user-friendly than Arthur I'm sure, <laughs> that, 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 were, that came up. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. There was every time we did scenes together, Joe would sort of turn to me and go like, they should do more of these. You know, I'd, be, I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, totally. Cause you know what I need is more freaking talking, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, I loved, I loved that interaction because you know, there was, you know, I mean, you know, McKay had such a man crush on, on Shepard. Like he so wanted to be that he guy. He idolized him, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely idolized him. I mean, he in his head, I think McKay saw himself with that hair and that and the guns and the you know, like he's like in it, like he thought. I think he 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 thought that eventually he was going to get there. You know, <laughs> so. you know it, the the comparison is off is often made that that Carson and Rodney were probably the 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 best of friends. I would argue that that Rodney and Shepard were best friends. I would I think they were I would go they were Rodney pretty tight because yeah, they, I go Rodney and Shepard too. Yeah. I, I feel like because only because I felt like. Um, you know, McKay had this wonderful sort of dismissiveness of, of sort of biology and, and medicine. Um, but uh, I, I feel like, I feel like Beckett was probably his best friend, but in, the, but in a weird way, in that, in that way that friendship is, 
you don't sort of realize that. Yeah. He would still, I think McKay would still consider Shepard his best friend because that's where he saw himself. Right. In terms of like where you're yeah. striving for. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause your best friend, you just take a, you, you basically take your best friend for, for, you know, for, you know, for granted anyways, because he's your best friend. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it's that. So I, I feel like there was that, there was definitely that there. Um, and also I think Beckett showed weakness and, and McCade never understood that. Never understood that. I think That's that was fair. always, that always, that, that there was a lack of respect. I think of that aspect of, of, uh, of Beckett, you know what I mean? Yeah, the a vulnerability that yeah. McKay was like, yeah. come on, man. You know? Yeah, and McKay had the same vulnerability. He just was never going to admit it. Oh, that's the distinction. Yeah. Chris wanted to know, is there anything you would change or add from your time on the show? You've been rewatching these episodes with the yeah. family. I mean, any anything that you look back at, like, you know what? Wish I could have done that differently. Or, you know what? Knowing what I know now with how we've gone, you know, forward in time, this would have been cool. I th- well, look, uh, the one that I the one that I really feel like I missed out on was the evil McKay. I really, you know, I just assumed that at some point an evil McKay was going to show up. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just seems like this perfect like nemesis sort of thing. But yeah. um, so that would, I would love to have I'd love to have seen something like that to have um, played him funny or uh, funny evil or like serious evil or like serious evil. Like get yeah. to like get to do some like serious evil because like McKay, a truly evil McKay, would be. He's like the master. Like you get to that, basically that's what I think of. I just want to play the master from from Doctor Who. But <laughs> but the idea that that someone in an alternative universe who has all of those skills and disregard is a and 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 misunderstanding of social cues and stuff, he could very well become a psychopath, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of p- fun stuff there to work with, and there's a neat dynamic there because you go like, you know, you know, if he shows up and and this and the the psycho McKay is uh, is is more successful and and more attractive and more so it's like rod like the rod and rodney if right. rod wasn't such a fantastic guy you know what i mean <laughs> i just think there's, there's so much interesting stuff there i also wish there was more uh kate honestly i wish there was more more um uh, genie stuff you know? well was... he ex- she exposed you know his soft p- spots you know? My soft bits. My soft bits. <laughs> yeah, well, I was like, I, I'm like do, I'm, how do I want to say this? You know, no, I'm like, I agree. Not, not like, you know, she plumped him up or anything like that. But I mean, like she, uh, she showed him to be vulnerable, you know, yeah. and the shrine well, it shows that. Yeah. I think that was, I mean, uh, that, that's sort of what I liked about it. I, I also, I also really like the, um, uh, you know, I just like, I like the exploring of those, of a family dynamic like that. So I think that's always kind of fun because it's something that people can, a lot of people can understand. I get a lot of people coming up and going like, you know, hey, you and your sister, that's what we're like. My, my brother's a jerk too. I'm like, what? <laughs> you mean you're a Yeah. Kem Tuganli. I believe I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize. It's using Very characters. Good. That's what like, I do. Just I butcher all the names. Right. I am a physicist because of Rodney McKay. Sweet. I wanted to know, do you think that uh, McKay could have solved the master code on Destiny? <laughs> yes. I would think so. Of course. You give him an episode, I'm sure he would have worked it out. I, yeah, again, it's so weird because I feel like because Universe was such a different sort of tone, I feel like, you know, there was more weight to those kind of questions mm-hmm. on Universe than there were on Atlantis. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, yeah. I mean, I think, that, well, there were elements of it. It's funny watching some of the stuff with Baz again now. Um you know, some of the Wraith stuff was really interesting, like sort of these almost the sort of eugenics kind of stuff, this and this biotech 
side of things. I mean, it's so weird how, I mean, that was completely before CRISPR and mm-hmm. all this, this kind of the genetic stuff. Well, not before the genetic stuff, but you know, before it was sort of more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they definitely dabbled. You could see them sort of like dipping their foot in the in the in the in the, the giant ocean of of uh, of, uh, of of creepy science stuff. But but uh, you know, and the morality of whether of of what do you do with it? We've got a captive wraith, and we experimented on him. We 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 you know, we starved him. We, I mean, there's just, there's so many things there that I think were pretty, you know. Yeah. There's an edge intense. to that. Yeah, um, I would say so. Yeah, but I, but again, I think solving the destiny problems would be, would be, would, it would be such a different thing than it, than it would have been on, on Atlantis, I think. I mean, on Atlantis, I feel like we would have, we would have, yeah, it'd be like a, maybe a two, maybe a three-parter. And I think we could have, we could have sorted that out. <laughs> Kyle wanted to know, what was it like filming the scenes with Jason where Roman would keep trying to beef up McKay's confidence? Whacking him <laughs> with a stick. Jay, I, Jason is like this, I used to joke, he's like, uh, he's like a giant Marmaduke dog. What are they? He's like a giant Great Dane puppy <laughs> who hasn't grown into his paws yet. <laughs> and he just, I just, I we were absolute opposites, like absolute opposites. I mean, as people, forget even his characters. We were just, as people, he was like this weird hippie freak as far as I was concerned. But I just loved him. We just got along in this very odd way, you know. Um, yeah, just an absolutely lovely guy. Um, uh, and, and I just, and, and strangely, and, a, and an artist. I mean, like truly an artist. Mm-hmm. In a way that I don't think I even really understood back then because I had no time for it. Whereas now I'm a little older and I find myself, you know, sitting down with a guitar with my son and stuff. And I keep appreciating. Thinking, like, I yeah. should have freaking learned guitar with Jason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of just going like, shut up, I'm learning lines. I could have been, you know, because God, freaking guitar all the time. Jesus. <laughs> Summer, what was it like bantering with David Nichol? And oh, it's uh, great. Any ad living with him? It's, I mean, well, no, because I couldn't understand a word he was saying. So, <laughs> um, uh, I, I, it was, it was all, I think it was almost competitive. I mean, I think it was sort of got, it got to the point where it's like, aha, you screwed up. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, so it's, uh, but as I say, I think there's a, there's a horrible tendency as well to start treating, you get, you know, if you're doing a scene where you're just being so horrible to people over and over and over again, I think it tends, you tend to get snappy with them on set too. <laughs> so poor David, I mean, you know, he had sort of a, uh, you know, well, I mean, he did all right for himself, I suppose, but, but, he, right. but it was a, I, look, it was one of those roles that could have shown up once. And if it wasn't done well, no one would have noticed that he never came back. You know what I mean? But he really... He did it. Uh, he did a great job. And, and I think Martin Wood should get a lot of credit for that, too. Because Martin true. Wood was big. Kept saying, go work lines together. Go work the lines together. Go work the lines together. Um, you know, and uh, and Nickel was pretty relentless on that, too. Because normally I'm like, oh, shut up. I'm learning my lines. You know, I like to do it by myself. So I'm not big. I don't like, you know, I don't work well with others. Uh, so it was good that uh, that that he he sort of forced the issue on that, and I and I'm you know and, I, and again it became an amazing dynamic. Like just yeah, I would not want to work for McKay. Redux, whatever. Redux wanted to know what were your thoughts on Stargate Extinction? Did you read the script that they had, that they had written? I did you take a look at it? I can't remember. Was it the last Atlantis one? So yeah, that was going to be the movie. I think, I don't remember. I was in such a bad state of mind then. I mean, we'd just been canceled and stuff. And I was like, I don't even know if I got through the whole script. I was like, you know, I just, it was so, I was so sort of, uh, you know, I was sort of like angry about it all. I was like, why, you know, because I mean, we didn't even say goodbye to each other. 
because we were we thought we were going to be doing a, a movie and again i'm not blaming them for it i mean they they didn't know either but you know we really thought we were going to go and do a movie in a few months time so you know to this day i've never really said goodbye to a bunch of those people um you know so uh That's sad yeah i can't so i honestly don't remember i honestly don't remember i i, I remember getting a copy of it and I can't remember whether I actually read it or not. Like, I, I truly don't, I don't remember. Understood. So. Well, I, you know, if, if we can get this fourth one off the ground, you know, I think yeah. it's just a matter of time before you'll, before you'll make an appearance, if we can get it off the ground. So yeah, we have to I, rally the fans. I'd love to. And I, and I, I, but I understand either way. I also feel like it's been a long time. I mean, I think you do want to, like it is, it may be time to reinvent, but I, but I, I feel like, you know, if we look at if we look at uh, at what you know Star Trek's been doing and the way they've approached it and stuff, I think there's some really fun ways in there. But again, I think the biggest issue is they've got they can't treat it like a product, uh, and I think that that's a holdover to the old days of television. You know, that I think they really need to, you know, they need they need to they need to there needs to be a reason why they're doing this now. It's not just to you know to pad bank accounts and stuff. It needs to be. It needs to be because they've got an interesting story and a perspective to take on this stuff because there's so many options out there, you know? Um, no, look, I would love, honestly, as much as I would love to see a new series, I'd love to see a, a, you know, a proper game playing that RPG game the other day, the other day, I guess it was a while ago now, wasn't it? But mm -hmm. you know, that was what a great experience. You know what I mean? Like what a, because there was a community to it. There was this, you know, the way Wyverns created this kind of episodic approach to the fifth edition D&D stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, and again, I have no, I have no, I make nothing out of saying that. I, I'm completely, I'm entirely there because I wanted to, I wanted to get back into D&D. I hadn't done it for years. I hadn't done it since I had my Commodore 64 be my dungeon master. So it's been a long, <laughs> long time. But I've, but since then, I've started playing D&D &D with the Tech Bandits. Um, this fabulous guy called James Gurney, who's a, a, a virus scientist and and by day and by night a dungeon master uh, and all around amazing nerd so he's just been doing um in fact i think we'll do one tomorrow we'll probably stream it tomorrow uh, uh, uh dungeons dragons is it monday yeah monday tomorrow yeah monday's tomorrow um so uh because the other thing is what's great about dungeons and dragons whether it's a stargate one or just regular old dungeons and dragons is that um you know it's the art and imagination side of the science technology stuff you know what i mean like i think you get kids imagining stuff and problem solving and working together or not, as the case may be. Uh, it's just a great, it's a great, I think it's a great learning tool, something like that. Um, but so I would love to see, I would, I mean, why the heck don't we have a massively multiplayer online version of Stargate? It was called Stargate Worlds and it got canceled. I know. And I you know. and I can talk privately about that. Um, it's but, so uh, it's so frustrating. Boy, was so it. frustrating. Is yeah. there any of it available anymore? Any of it? There's just it's just no, it's uh, yeah, there was there was a piece of it that was available online as a like a first person uh, or like a third person shooter, but it's gone now. So yeah. it's just a shame. So yeah, because that seems like in a way you want to bring in a, a new generation of Stargate fans, mm -hmm. then if you can do it through a game, I mean, that would be I'd be amazing. Completely. You know, uh, I would love so I'd love to see them develop different sort of venues for this kind of stuff. Look, I mean, even this, like, I mean, doing the Dial the Gate and stuff, I think is a great sort of way into another Stargate as well. You know what I mean? Like, I wondered about, we talked about for a while there was, I can't remember, someone was, I guess when they were originally doing the Stargate uh, channel, when they were going to 
do more of that stuff. Um, you know, talking about like doing an edugate where you could take Stargate episodes and 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 mine them for science for STEM stuff for kids. I, I want to do that because I because that's how with Doctor Who, Doctor Who aired on PBS here. So in order to be allowed to show the show on television because they had a, an educational mandate, they had to add a chunk at the end that was either a scientist or a sci-fi writer talking about the science of Doctor Who. And what that did for me as a kid was I, I, it, it bound science and science fiction together in a way that was never broken for me. You know, anything that we had on Stargate or that I saw on Doctor Who, you could, I felt you could make, you could create yourself. And, and, and the tools and technologies that are around today allow for that. So I'd mm -hmm. love to see I'd love to see them maybe repurpose some of the stuff that way. That would be I fun. do want to expand this show going forward. If we, we can get a big enough audience, I really do want to do a a Science of Stargate kind of, yeah. of segment with with Mika and with you and a couple of the others. Oh my god, know, that'd be great. Mika's forward. fantastic. She For is those who don't amazing. Know, Mika, Mika, Mika was the one who did all the all the equations that I then pretended to to fix on the uh, on the on the on the chalkboards and stuff. Well, it's it's my intent for 2021. So if if you want to be involved in that component, of it, yeah. I would love it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely because the the tech bandits thing is really you know it's it is like it's my world when I'm not acting now. I mean, if it's not, I mean, well, there's, so you know, cool. there's a family and a dog and stuff. Well, yeah, but, but still, that, you know, that's your you know, that's your release. So I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's like science fiction to me. Like, I mean, you know, I got robot. You know, I got robots. <laughs> we live in a world where I can have robots in my basement. It's still blinking at me, man. That's, it's still that's so exactly. trippy. Isn't it creepy? Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. That's yeah. cool. It's to, the future is limitless. You know, we yeah, just have to. Yeah, thank you for doing this. I think it's. I think it's. Look, I. For, I think it's a, just a, a. I think it's a great idea, and also I just think it's really fun to 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 just be able to to kick back and talk about it. Absolutely, my friend. Way. It is. It has been too long, and um, it's you you created a role that has inspired so many people and that you are continuing to pursue content that continues to inspire young minds old <laughs> minds white minds black minds you know the the whole yeah. the whole kaleidoscope of of humanity anyone who's interested that's so cool so i really appreciate you taking the time oh man no i i, this, I, I wouldn't miss it i'm sure it takes so long to schedule anything with me no you're good <laughs> you know we made it happen yeah, but well, we should do another one. We'll have to. We'll have to do like a, we'll do like another. We'll do like a recap. I feel like we. I feel like I. I took us off topic so no, badly. No, I. Off I, I think we. I think it was an excellent uh, hour and a half, and we. I do think we scratched the surface on some things, but I think that. Um, I think that there's more to come. Yeah, let so. me know. Let me know because I'd be. I'd, I'd love to do it. So and I and it's, you know I the least I you know again I always come back to the fact when I was like I was like how do I know more about Stargate? They pointed me straight at, at Gate World and, uh, <laughs> and that was my. That was my database that of Stargate such a information. Privilege to to know that uh, that we were you know playing a role. So that I butchered your knowledge. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> no, please, That's my friend. It. You have a great holiday and a great new year. You too, you man. Take care Stay of yourself. safe. Be well, yes, everybody. Enjoy. And as I say, as I end my stream, huzzah. <laughs> Bye -bye, and then David. she usually attacks me, but that's. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't show you something. Wait a sec. Check this out. Okay. So. I salvaged a few things from SGU when they when they pulled it down. Okay. One of them was this this chair, this ridiculously massive chair, which I've had uh, struggled with for ever since to sort of move it from room to room and stuff. The other day, I pulled it apart to play with it to try to fix some of the electronics and stuff in it, and realized uh, when I leaned on it that the foam had disintegrated. Oh. So basically, it just fell like fell apart. Um, 
And I thought, I'm not, I'm not letting that, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to salvage some of the parts. And so, is it plugged in? So check this out. Okay. So I have the back piece. Ah! I attached it to my, to my own chair, including, I'm not sure if you can see this, including, and I've got, I have an air compressor, but I'm not going to do it because my fear right now is it will remove parts of my anatomy that I'd like to keep right now. Yes. But this sucker is actually pressure controlled. Wow. And lights up. Look at this. Look at that. <laughs> this, is now my, this is my office chair now. Oh, jeez. Yeah. My wife came down and said, like, what did you do to your chair? I said, I made it better. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, because I thought, what am I going to do? I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep this chair for, like, if I keep this chair sitting in my basement doing nothing, it's just going to gather dust and stuff. It was cracked up anyway. So yeah. I thought, I'll save the pieces and maybe I can build some more. So I'm just going to keep adding to this chair and Absolutely. see what I can get out of it. Yeah. Well, you know, th- thank you for sharing. And, you know, my friend, it's it's such a pleasure to have you. And Oh, God, anytime. Gonna, yes. We will yeah. we will be in touch in the new year. And you you take care of that family of yours and take care of yourself, okay? You too, man. Look after yourself. Thanks, buddy. All right. Love to all. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. David Hewlett, everyone. What a great human being. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in for our show. Dial the Gate has sponsored with 3D Tech Pro for the month of December to give you a chance to get your very own desktop Stargate and customized ancient keychain. To enter to win these items, you need to use a desktop or laptop computer and visit dialthegate.com. Scroll down to submit trivia questions. Your trivia will be used in a future, may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There are three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, and one hard. Only one needs to be filled in, and you're more than welcome to submit up to three. The submission form does not currently work on mobile devices, keep in mind. Your trivia must be submitted on or before January 1st. If you're uh, the lucky winner, I'll be notifying you via your email right after the start of the new year to get your address and what word you want for your ancient keychain. And be sure to check out our partner's website for more Stargate-related merchandise at 3dtech.pro. We have uh, Stargate art real quick before I bring Jacqueline in for our next episode. And, of course, it is going to be themed uh, from... Uh, the sh- from McKay. This is The Shrine by Emily Parnell. Uh, two water cooler studies, watercolor studies, rather, I did for a season five episode of Stargate Atlantis, The Shrine, a great show. Watercolor, micron pins, poster, paint, Sharpie, gel pen. I will be announcing our guests in just a moment here for the next uh, episode, or rather at the end of the next episode, I'll be announcing the guests. But we're going to go ahead and bring Jacqueline Samuda in in just a minute. So be sure to check us out on that live stream. I'm David Reed. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.